It's Santa here. A very Merry Christmas and the happy... Shut up, Santa. You <laughs> muck. It's been a crap year. It's been a frigging awful All year. Right. Sinners have been shut. COVID rages on. Another Christmas potentially cancelled thanks to Boris Johnson. Lost my job this year. I've got conjunctivitis, James. <laughs> what a terrible, terrible year. <sighs> we should do a podcast about it. Yeah, we should. And this is that. This is episode 174. I'm going to go with 74. It is 174. 174 of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast. The United's two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name's Aaron, this is James. Hello. We get around the mics each week to talk about movies and films. Last week, huge one, Lord of the Rings. It was a massive one, you know, really looking forward to getting feedback about that one. It was a pleasure to record with you, sir. The Adventures <laughs> of Frodo, Sam Wise, so you've got to write this down, Legolas, Gimli, Aragon, but mostly Gandalf. Uh, was, what, what an episode. Uh, an episode almost as long as one of the movies, almost. Almost. <laughs> two, an hour, two hours 40. This week will not be that, I can guarantee it, because we've done this before. This is the eighth... <laughs> It must be Christmas. They must have run out of ideas. <laughs> the A to Z episode again. So it's dead simple. You can play along at home, listen to this podcast. A to Z, you write A to Z down on a list. And for each letter of the alphabet, you have to assign a film, an actor, a scene, anything you like to do with that letter. The theme this week, of course, is Christmas because we're baubles deep in December. So go back, listen to the time we did actors and actresses. What about the time we did fictional characters? And we started off with movies. You know, last year we did the 80s A to Z. Well, no, it was this year. So we've done it. So we've done this at least four times. <laughs> when do you want? Know it just screams out. That's what we're doing next time. But it's, it's good because you, the, you you nail the vowels in pretty soon. Yeah. Then you fill in the T's and the S's and all the other stuff. And then you fucking scream about Z and Q. And you you come up with some just piss poor excuse. <laughs> and you bend the rules to your advantage to make sure you can fill every letter of the alphabet. At the end, we normally agree on who had the better list. Normally, it's it's pretty even, isn't it? It is even, it's because it's a bit of fun. And then listeners like to get their A to Zs together as well. When listening along, it's just interactive, have fun. Although this is recorded, so you can't. Get ready for that, the tedious links towards the end of the alphabet. But like my, start, my tedious ones start early this time. It's, it's films, it's characters, it's actors, it's scenes. But really, what screams out to you Christmas mm. uh, in terms of cinema, in terms of film? That is what we're going to do. I'm, I'm identifying Christmas on my list. That's what I've gone for. So I'm, the reason I'm setting my stall out early is because I've got an actor, I've got some films, I've got some scenes, but mostly I've got tedium. <laughs> I've got that tedium, mate. I've got it early and I've got it a lot. <laughs> now, I will say off the back of this episode, if I keep pulling away from the microphone or stopping mid-sentences, because I do actually have conjunctivitis in one of my eyes. A little bit too much information for the listeners at home, but um, it is doing my eye in. It's <laughs> killing. It, <laughs> And I'm not saying, James, a few weeks ago, we did a, well, uh, we, where I was ill and uh, and we thought it could have been a movie to blame. It could have been a movie. Um, I'm we... not saying that that's happened this time, but I am saying I watched King Kong vs. Godzilla this week. Do you not like it? I do what is that I like movie to, about? Do you know what? I just like the, the spectacle. It was nice to see. But do you know what? The person who wrote that story, why did you bother? It's <laughs> Kong Just blow shit up. And do you know what? I never really appreciated the aircraft carriers being able to carry two mythical beasts without sinking to the ocean. Yeah, I mean, it it, it, it does what it says on the tin. It's a Ron Seal movie. You're going to get that. Uh, it's got in there some useless uh, side storylines involving humans. Yeah, why? Just not needed, uh, including globetrotting in the blink of an eye. My favourite thing is, you know, Carl uh, Chandler. Carl Chandler, famous, obviously, for being like the stoic actor. He doesn't give emotion. His characters don't emote, mate. They're mm. emotionally dead. Well, in this one, 
his paycheck for being a total of about eight minutes. I mean, well done, Carl Chandler's agent. And no, well, no Bradley Whitford in this one. No. If just, he didn't come back, Christ. What? I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was all right. It was popcorn fun. I'm glad I didn't go to the cinema to watch it. But then again, they're not they're not my wheelhouse, their movies. I enjoyed it on a spectacle Saturday night, bit of popcorn. Yeah. I think I, 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 I can't remember if I went to the cinema. No, I didn't go to see the cinema. It was on demand. And then when the cinema reopened, it was the only film mm. I was I did go back because I was so desperate to go to the cinema. Third act pays off. The third act was what I wanted to see. And, and I'm not going to spoil it, but, you know, if you've seen Alien vs. Predator, if you've seen any of the kind of Freddy vs. Jason, the franchises that clash, you know, you know that neither of them is really going to get the upper hand because you're always going to mm. annoy the other audience who came to see the other characters. So there has to be, and it's no spoiler, but there has to be a middle ground. Yeah, but I do like that there's an actual versus. You don't have to wait for an entire film to get the versus mm. part of that film. Well, you know what? It's all right. Not it, a Christmas movie, though. It's all right. It's not a Christmas movie, but certainly the movies we're going to talk about in our A to Z are Christmas movies. Oh, we excited. Should we just get going? Shall we start? Because uh, if someone's downloaded this episode going, oh, I've listened to their other A to Z episodes. They're always fun. I'm conscious we're five minutes in and he's already talking about his conjunctivitis eye and he hasn't seen a movie yet or anything to do with Christmas. So let's get going. James, you're going to lead. What is your letter A? So A, I start off with a, with a classic. It's one of the most famous scenes in film. James Stewart holds his youngest daughter who tells him that every time a bell rings, rings, an angel gets his wings. And we as an audience are so charmed by this that we forget that the film started with Stewart about to kill himself. Mm. Merry Christmas. A, an angel gets his wings. But did you know that It's a Wonderful Life was shot during a heat wave? And that's why you can see Stewart pissing sweat out of his head <laughs> all the way through the film. A film surprisingly not overly Christmassy until the last bit. Yeah, but that's because he's got he's got to have a reason to not blow his brains out, jump off yeah. a building or something. You know, that's the meaning of Christmases. Don't do that. You know, jump off a clear off the bridge, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So, so he's you know put yourself in debt, buy, buy Christmas presents, go overboard. An angel gets its wings. Everything's fine. Meaning of life, and then that's just remade throughout loads of Christmas films. So that that's the that's what we're up against here, ladies and gentlemen. A to Z. Name your your letter, and then give us a fact about it because we. We're not just going to do the same thing. I should no. have said this at the top of the episode, James. Well, we're, not, yeah. we're not going to do the, the, the exact same thing. So uh, I've got a quick question. Mm. You know, before we get, you know, ball balls deep, um, <laughs> how, how bad are your facts? Because mine are pretty bad. Yeah, mine are pretty shit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> a, a very Murray Christmas. Oh. The short docu-film satire starring Bill Murray as a, uh, as, as Bill Murray someone worried that no one is going to turn up to his TV show. He's singing and dancing Christmas special due to a storm and due to bad weather. Um, it has a host of cameos in it. Miley Cyrus, George Clooney, Michael Cera, Rashida Jones, and Chris Rock. For me, A is, I think all this should start with some form of Bill Murray incarnation, whether it be a film, whether it be the man himself, but Bill Murray makes my A, a very Murray Christmas. My fact, James is because Bill Murray refuses to get Netflix, he's never seen it. Is this true? Yeah. Do you know this isn't the first time you've spoken about Very Merry Christmas? Mm. Are you a big fan? It, it's one of my early December films, so I don't want, I don't want to go in too quick. Yeah. I don't want to go in straight away. Obviously, Die Hard, I'm going to say for Christmas Eve. I don't want to I don't want to hit the biggins, James. I don't want to hit Four Christmases and... You don't want Klaus and... Eight Crazy Nights and whatever oh. that is. <laughs> I actually didn't make my list. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I didn't want to go in too quickly with Love Actually and, yeah, Klaus. So... A very Murray Christmas. Short, sweet. It's good for a Monday night, Tuesday night. It's not going to be your Friday, Saturday, a big hitter. But if you're a Bill Murray fan, it's obviously Sophie Coppola as well. Um, you know, they were two work together in Lost in Translation, which is a movie that I absolutely adore. It's a great movie. So I've heard you describe this multiple times, and I just get charm. I think it's a charming film. Right. It's Bill Murray really playing into Bill Murray. Yeah, I love it when Bill mm. Murray's playing Bill Murray. Right. 
You know, Christmas is a time to let your hair down. Get out the eggnog and neglect some children. <laughs> right, we're talking about... Uh, how about if you die and then come back to haunt the shit out of your son? Like in Jack Frost. A lifetime of therapy won't save him from this Clooney slash Keaton snow nightmare come back from the grave to, like, corrupt him. What about just straight up ignore your kid and then leave him at home while you piss about miles away? Why don't you be like Arnold Schwarzenegger and don't buy a present for your kid until Christmas Eve because fuck him? Or be like Tim Allen and just straight up murder Santa Claus in front of your son. That's some top-notch bad parenting. And that's why we're going for B, bad parenting. But did you know that divorce rates increase straight after Christmas? (laughs) (laughs) What you've got is you've got one of my temples. It's like, you can't have a Christmas movie without a dick-back parent. Mm. And you need many dick bag parents. Yeah, because that's really like the Griswolds as well, isn't it? When you think of National Lampoon, Chevy yeah. Chase, you know, that, that movie. I'm not going to say he's a bad parent, but he, he's not going to win Dad of the Year, really, is he? No, but then again, does he straight up murder Santa Claus in a PG Disney film? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Tim Allen. I mean, he's the Michael Bublé of Christmas, isn't he, in the film world? I'm just saying he might appear again later. He appears in my list at some point. <laughs> Jingle All The Way is a great call, though, Schwarzenegger in that, you know, working working Christmas Eve or whatever it is, or the day before Christmas Eve, and he's forgot to buy the Turbo Man doll. <laughs> the, the only toy. <laughs> yeah. With the world's most hedge CEO of any company. <laughs> Uh, B, well, I'm also going bad, Ooh. but I'm going bad Santa. Ooh, I could have go. gone Billy Bob. I could have gone Bernie Mac, but I went bad Santa. The two, of course, working in their film. Uh, miserable con man and his partner uh, pose as Santa to help rob department stores on Christmas Eve. Yep, a Christmas classic. Bad <laughs> Santa's released, the movie that- Released in the summer, though, wasn't it? <laughs> I always thought that was really funny anyway. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> bad Santa's the movie that- um, I don't want to like, but I self-confess actually find there are scenes in it that are quite funny. Like it, it, he's all over the place. It loses itself towards the end, but it is what it is grim. It is nasty. Um, you know, there are characters in it, like Bernie Mac's character has constipation in it. So every scene, you, if you look closely, he's eating like prunes and stuff like that. And he keeps talking about his constipation. A little layer to just add to the grotesqueness of Bad Santa, which on the whole like, is, a, is, a, is an awful Christmas movie. But I find myself watching it every year. Sequel's a bit shit, but the first one has enough in it. And it's Billy Bob Thornton. Again, like the film, Billy Bob Thornton's one of the people I'm like, I like him, I don't, I do. You know, like a lot of stuff he does, but I don't know if I do like him. So Bad Santa is it for me. The fact, in fact, I've got loads about Bad Santa. Cool. I didn't know which one to pick. Jack Nixon wanted the role, but he'd already committed to something he's got to give. Bill Murray had signed on, but then he stepped out to do Lost in Translation. Oh, Bill Murray would have been brilliant in this. Um, most profanity in a Christmas movie ever with 281 swear words. Wow. And the one that I have brought up previous years, but I will bring up for every Christmas until uh, until we stop doing this podcast. In the Czech Republic, Bad Santa translates to Santa is a pervert. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away. Um, I like Bad Santa. I think it's a really good film. I do, yeah. In yeah. the rotation of Christmas early, medium. Yeah, right. yeah. I'm not. I'm not. It's not in the Big Ten, James, or twelve. That makes more sense. It's not in the twelve <laughs> days before Christmas. Right. You know, I'm gonna. I'm gonna take it down now. You know, with a very clever beat. I'm gonna go with something that tickled me when I first watched it two years ago. Mm. And you might have stayed with me. Oh, we might have been three years ago. It's Christmas Chronicles. It's Kurt Russell saving Christmas in a Hot sexy, Santa. dark red. It's Santa updated, mate. It's Santa mm. 2.0. It's a Santa for this generation. He's cool. He's charming. Plays harmonica, mate. Goes mm. to jail. That yeah. might come up later. <laughs> but he does a lot. But did you know that the list that he uses, and it includes 
several of Kurt Russell's grandchildren. A fact I caught from this show when you told me. I was going to say that sounds familiar. <laughs> but um, what a great film. I really like it. It's, 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 you know, it's sweet. It's, it's innocent. The second one's bag of shit. Yeah. It's so bad. But the second one has that, and I can never remember his name, but the lad from Deadpool 2 and the New Zealander that's in. Um, I, do, I do know the... Who's uh, also in... Uh, Wild Beasts. No, the one with Sam Neill, wasn't it? Yeah, Hunt for the Wild of People. Hunt for the Wild of People. And right. he's also in... Uh, Godzilla versus King Kong. He is. Which could have caused my eye to get affected, James. I don't know if I've mentioned that at the top of the episode. Um, I, yeah, I like Christopher John because I think he should... The first one. The first one. The first one. 100% the first one. Yeah. yeah, quite charming. Yeah, charmed. C, for me, Christmas with the Cranks. Oh, fuck off. A subtle reminder that COVID is not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> I retract my statement. Well played, sir. What a terrible film. What I love about this is worst... We, we've seen some bad parenting, but... I've never seen anyone just give up on life as quickly as Tim Allen mm. and uh, oh, who's the Jamie Lee Curtis? It's Jamie Lee Curtis. They just give in. What? What? But what's really funny is that they don't. They decide not to celebrate Christmas and spend their money on themselves. Yeah, yeah. which which is oh, I'm fine with. But who the fuck invited Dan Aykroyd to come and have a fucking go at him? <laughs> fuck off, Dan Aykroyd. This is this is my point. Is that I, I expect this from Tim Allen, but not from Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> and Dan Aykroyd, who I actually quite fondly like. Who my fact is. These are the the two the pair of them, Jamie Lee Curtis and Dan Aykroyd. This is the fourth time they've worked together, but the first time when they've not been husband and wife. Trading places. Oh, sorry, trading places. Yeah, but then my girl, my girl too. Oh, there you go. I was. Do you know what I was thinking? Trading places because it's also kind of a Christmas film. I'm sure. Trading places. Just... Yeah, but yeah. I, I I I vetoed that as a Christmas movie about three years ago on this podcast because of the racism. Because of the racism, <laughs> <laughs> which is also why Holiday Inn's not going to look it. Fair enough. Um. Oh, cracking. Christmas with the Cranks is an easy dog shit movie. <laughs> You're going to get a little insight into me now. I've gone TV movies. Yeah, you have. Extended films. I've gone Doctor Who Christmas specials. They're, they're brilliant. I love them this time of year. I like sci-fi. I think Doctor Who's brilliant. Even if you're not a Doctor Who fan and you watch like the 13 episodes spread across the year, there's something magical about Christmas Day sitting down and watching a white man die <laughs> and be replaced by it. And that, was, that, that became like a Christmas New Year tradition to me. Love it. But did you know... Now, some people on the internet got very angry that a woman, Jodie Whittaker, was cast as the ageless time-travelling alien that has the ability to change their appearance and personality after death. Mm. But the fact that it was a woman, that's the bit they were confused by. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Doctor Who. I think it's brilliant. Mm. I, it, it, Christmas Day, I do sit around. I do watch them. I watch them from the frigging campy David Tennant one when he's on like a space Titanic all the way to Peter Capaldi. He's one of my favourite ones. You know, with uh, the, well, they got uh, the Walder Frey to play the original. Oh, I love them. I love, I love the hamminess of them, mate. And they're always bullshit. And what I like about it is there's, because there's less bullshit science because the answer is always the, you know, the message of Christmas. So instead of Sonic Sue's writer, it's oh, get, the, get my present. Yeah. I, I, you're, you're right though. I mean, I nearly put, you know, Black Adder's Christmas special in there because oh. they did a Christmas carol, didn't they? They, they did, um, obviously Vicar of Dibley could have been a V oh, for yeah. me, you know, their Christmas specials because there is something- What have I got for V? Because I might change it. <laughs> quintessential British television at around Christmas time is somewhat special. The soaps are always bleak as fuck. Yeah. I'd but f- the TV shows tend to be somewhat heartwarming. Do you know what I think some of the best? Well, it might have been like really half an hour because it was early on, but um, Dawn French going around eating like four Christmas dinners was brilliant. Yeah. I loved that. That's a great episode. Uh, D for me, I've used the full title of the movie, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the 2000 movie starring Jim Carrey. Little Cindy Lou tries to get to the bottom of why the Grinch is such a grouch. Yeah. I've, uh, maybe that comes up later for me. <laughs> I, I like the movie. I like Jim Carrey. I think this is peak Jim Carrey kind of time. I like the look of it, the aesthetics of it. I like the cheeriness of it. It is a comedy. It, it's a comedy that plays into the strengths of 
you know, Jim Carrey himself, you know, the, the, the plasticine face was his, what the critics used to call him because of how he could manipulate his face into many styles. And I think the Grinch is a, is a great character for him to play. I think he really owns it. And, and often, even though I'm quoting it just before it happens, particularly the scenes when it's just him and Max the dog, I find them utterly hilarious. The fact, which I'm pretty certain I brought up before, is most prospect. This has the most prosthetics on 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 secondary actors and background actors in any movie since The Wizard of Oz. They do look like nightmares. The kids, uh, like the turned up noses, and yeah. the, 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 I'm just going to go with rat things. Yeah, let's, mice kids. What's weird is Jim Carrey looks the most human. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he's a and green, green blob. <laughs> and also, when you find out his backstory, because I think backstories, you know, you look you look at it like it took it took Darth Vader, you know, Anakin Skywalker, three movies to tell his backstory. <laughs> a really it's, boring one, I don't know. <laughs> he, he don't like he don't like sand, and he don't like. Kids. <laughs> yeah. You know, at least with the Grinches, he doesn't like shaving. That's true. You know, and that, that's, that's what caused it all. Oh, so crackers for D. So far, strong list, mate. I think so. We've got eight in, eight facts, eight hey. films. E, I've gone straight for what I consider Christmas and one of the best Christmas stories. I think that you can't have a Christmas without this character because obviously it's, you know, it's the winner. It's time for giving presents and it's just who I am. Not Santa Claus, no, because it's E, it's Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, I thought it <laughs> But did you know this character has been played by George C. Scott, Michael Caine, Patrick Stewart, Albert Finney, Christopher Plummer, Bill Murray, Jim Carrey, Guy Pearce, Tim Curry, Michael Gambon, Kelsey Grammer, and Catherine Tate. I just think if you look at characters, fictional characters, surely he's got like the best, mm. I've been played by this, I've been played by him. Obviously they're not, they're all like incantations. But... Would you have, fantasy casting, who would you have as Scrooge? I think Ian McKellen, because I, I, I'm, I'm high on Ian McKellen because we were glorious about him yesterday, but I don't think he ever got Magneto as a villain. Was mm. I was kind of on Magneto's side, but I want him to be just dastardly. I can't think of a film where Ian McKellen's just like been able to just be mean mm. for, for the sake of it. I think John Hamm would give it a bit of like a youth. If you were to, if you were to remake it, which Hollywood will, and they'll give it like a Scrooge treatment and they'll need someone... And they'll make an executive just like Scrooge. I just think John Hamm's smug face. I'd love him to see the true meaning of Christmas. <laughs> I think Hugh Grant will play him at some point. I, he needs to. I think also um, Hugh Jackman will play him at some point. Only if he plays him as Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be a musical incarnation, won't it? I've got a horrible feeling though that it'll be The Rock. I just got a horrible feeling that The Rock will go, oh, I've got to be Ebenezer Scrooge at one point. Because he's got a bad Christmas film coming. Mm. In him. You look at him. Oh, easy as. It's coming. <laughs> and for the, for the, for the, it's from August that year. We're, we're changing the game. Here it comes. This December 2050. Market only calendars. The biggest thing since Santa. Duana Colors. <laughs> Scrooge this. <laughs> You've been Scrooge. I'm going to find the true meaning of Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Ebenezer Scrooge, though. I've gone for, knowing that you'd do that, James, I went for the the complete opposite, and I went with Elf. I detest the film Elf. I know you do, and <laughs> we bring this up every year, and I don't know why, because to me, I mean, I was going to go eight crazy nights just to piss you off, but I thought, no, I Elf will do it better. <laughs> um, an orphan sneaks into Santa's sack and is transported to the North Pole, um, where he's raised as an elf. Years later, Buddy travels back to New York City to find his real parents, Goodbye, buddy. I hope you find your dad. Wicked film, mate. I love uh, Elf. We watch it every year. This is a top 12 Christmas movie for us in this household. It's charming. It's Will Smith. It's John Favreau. It's majority of the film is then walking around New York uh, with a camcorder just filming people's reactions. It's low budget. It's also Will Farrell. when we think of Will Farrell, you know, when you want to believe that Will Farrell was once really, really good and top of his game and not churning out some of the movies like, you know, Holmes and Watson. 
You'll never forgive that film, will you? I remember, remember that Christmas, mate. You were, full, day, you were mate. full of joy and then that Boxing Day. Ruined. <laughs> Ruined it. Maybe that's what gave you country voice yeah. the time he remembers. Uh, I'd like to point out there are scenes I'd like enough, but I think it can be summed up why I don't like it is uh, James Caan fucking. <laughs> just what a dick. He is smug in that movie. He's so he? smug. And also, just you're James Caan. Go get your leg chopped off or get shot on a bridge. <laughs> How dare you do like a folksy family one. Mm. Speaking of F and oh, families. Oh, sorry. My fact. Want. Um, do do do. Right, my facts. Phase on Love plays the manager of Gimbal's, the store that mm-hmm. a buddy gets a job in and Zoe Dash now works in. You might notice that he's wearing a name badge that says Wendy. Ooh. It's because they originally cast a female for the part and they already had the name badge ready. And at the last minute when Phase on Love came on board, he kept the name badge. Instead of Wendy. making another one. Instead of making a new one. <laughs> the budget was low cost. <laughs> they couldn't afford that. Right. Time for families. I dragged the bottom of this because this is one of these films that I don't think anyone else thinks exists. And it is set at Christmas. And the fact that it's not seen as a Christmas movie irritates me. It's Nick Cage in the film Family Man, where he basically gets screwed. He's a a high-powered businessman. But maybe a ghost played by Don Shieldy brings him and takes him back and says, maybe, you know, you're a sweetheart in college. Maybe if you didn't leave her, maybe if you stayed with her, this is what your life would be like. He is transporting to what his life would be like if he stayed with her. He's got two great kids. And um, that's it. It's a film that no one else knows exists except for me. And I really like it. Well, I always get it mixed up with Weatherman that he I, was in. I also love Weatherman. That's the Michael Caine one, That's the Michael Caine one where he walks around with an arrow. At the end, he walks around with an arrow, uh, arrow and a bow. Yeah. Takes a yeah. Yeah. And I remember that, that movie because Michael Caine, describes to Nicolas Cage what a camel toe is. And I remember thinking, yes. what's, gone? what's gone wrong with that? <laughs> with Michael Caine's career? What's gone wrong with my life where I have to listen to Michael Caine explain what a camel toe is? Anyway, it's a family film. You know, I like family ones. But did you know? And mate, fucking, you know the barrel. Mm. We're already there. <laughs> when Kate is eating the olives at the Christmas party scene, it shows that she has one left. But when we come back, the fucker's got two. <laughs> <laughs> I last think she spat one out. <laughs> Put it back. <laughs> F for me is a revelation from last year, and that is Four Christmases. Yeah, I remember you talking about this film. A film I had no expectations of enjoying and ended up finding that I laughed pretty much throughout the whole film. And John Voight's in it, which says a lot, because I'm not a John Voight fan. Do you know what? I've been reading up on John Voight, and now I'm not either. No, no. (laughs) He's up there with James Woods. But... Uh, Vince Vaughn, I think at the top of his game in these kind of comedies, Reese Witherspoon comes across hilarious in it. She took uh, a plate to the face of the dinner table scene, had ah, five stitches. That's my, that's my sort of humour, that. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, happened for real. It is quite charming. It is, uh, it is funny. It, and it's made up by, again, all the eccentric side characters and family members. And it's a good Christmas story. It's a Christmas story. Chaos is at the centre of all Christmases. You know, whether it be scrambling for a last minute present, whether it be fighting neighbours with lights, whether it be the disaster movie that is National Lampoons. Chaos is at the centre of a lot of these Christmas films and none more so than Four Christmases where they have to go to four households on Christmas Day itself. Um, my fact, John Favreau co-stars in this as a cage-fighting brother and I like to think it's in the same universe as Friends. There you go. And it's what happened to Monica's... Uh, Pete? Pete, yeah, years down the line. He lost his fortune and he ends up in a trailer... Vince Vaughn. There you go. That makes sense. And do you know what? I like to think that as well. Mm. Nice. But gee, can you have a Christmas movie without sitting by the fire, having some food, but making sure that it's a strict set of rules? Like, don't get them wet. 
Don't feed them after midnight. But when can you feed them? Doesn't matter. Go on with it. Yeah. When 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 can you start feeding a gremlin again? I reckon six. That is the universal answer, isn't it? <laughs> six. Six o'clock. Six o'clock. When is they? So obviously G is for gremlins because that would make sense. So I've just told you that gremlins is a great story. They and I, I really like this. This reminds me of. So I've been watching on Netflix uh, Hellbound, the the next Korean oh, big TV. Yeah, yeah. But what I really like about it is, and I'm not going into spoilers. And like Korean TV takes these chances. Like there's like, oh, there's these beasts. And you watch it, you go, well, are they ever explained? And I'm not going to spoil it for you, but maybe not. <laughs> uh, or maybe they are. But what I like is they just take a, you know, when was the last time you saw a big BBC documentary like really take, it's either, what it is on the BBC and the ITV is there's a murder and then they find him. Mm. Or it's a soap opera and someone gets murdered. Or it's Martin Clunes in the piss in nowhere <laughs> doing nothing. Yeah. But anyway, Gremlins, it's back when we like took a shot and it didn't really make any sense. But what a great Christmas movie. And there's a message there. Mm. Buy, buy them. <laughs> buy this film that's a 15 or 12, um, buy them for your kids that are too long to watch it. And that's what I remember. This is up there with Terminator and, Ro- and Robocop. It's like, this is a franchise that I shouldn't have ever seen as a kid, but boy, did I have their toys and definitely watch these franchises. Gremlins, I love a Christmas Gremlin. And last year I watched Gremlins on the big screen. My G is also Gremlins. Yeah, there you go. Oh, what's your fact though? Because my fact is... Chris Columbus didn't write Gremlins with the idea that it would actually be made. It was a spec script, but Steven Spielberg saw it and was like, well, we want to do this. My fact is very close to that. Is yours an actual one? I just made up. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> so yeah, I put the dark comedy that is um, Gremlins. Yep. Uh, but my fact for the movie is that Gizmo was a spo- was originally in the Chris Columbus script supposed to turn into Spike, the main yeah. villain. And it was Steven Spielberg that spoke to... Joe Dante and Chris Columbus, because Spielberg was the producer, who said, no, you need a, a mogwai that carries through to the end that the audience can attach to. And it would also be brutal if uh, Billy has to kill his own pet. Towards nah, the end of that, movie. To that would be fucking metal. <laughs> Just like Merry, cr- Merry Christmas shotgun to yeah. the end. <laughs> Stamping on Gizmo. <laughs> Still think that that's one of my favourite cameras in the second one, is Hulk Hogan. It's like, it's like oh, Gremlins movie. <laughs> and then leaves. <laughs> um, H. Uh, I can't go too much into this because you've said pretty much all. Uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Obviously, I used the H. Uh, This is my fact, though. The scene where the Grinch is directing his dog, Max, uh, before stealing Christmas is, in fact, Jim Carrey making fun of producer and director Ron Howard. And Ron Howard loved it. And I like that about Ron Howard. He's willing to laugh at himself and he kept it in there. And the banter between uh, Max and the Grinch is fantastic. Yeah, Max should have got Best Supporting Actor that year. Yeah, he should. In 2000. Yeah. H means Home Alone. The... Definite. If Die Hard is Christmas Eve, Home Alone is the is Christmas Eve Eve for me. It's it's up there with one of the greatest. There is a TV station in Poland that just plays Home Alone consistently <laughs> all year round. Home Alone is it's everything, isn't it? It's a Christmas movie that you grew up as a kid wanting to believe was real. You know, it's instantly quotable. Anytime anyone's in an airport with a child, they don't want to home alone it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, it's it's home alone is, is just brilliant part. You know, there's one answer questions. What did the dad do? To, <laughs> to have a 26 bedroom house and fly all the family and extended family to, to France for Christmas. But for me, the fact is this. In the sequel, Home Alone 2, if you add up all the running costs of Kevin McAllister's trip to New York City, considering that he gets on the wrong plane so he doesn't have to buy for a plane ticket, but if you take in the room service, the taxis, the, the rental, the gangster movies, two nights stay at the plaza, Kevin would have ran up a bill of $2,235.84 in that trip alone. That sounds like he had fun in New York City. And he met future president Donald Trump. What a lucky boy. 
It's still, every young boy's dream, isn't it? Still didn't help him, though. <laughs> Make no, him a leader. He's not a mug, is he? <laughs> uh, let's go to K. <laughs> or I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, right, so this is, this is going to be my point. Because I don't know if I mentioned my I, but yeah. because I've got conjunctive eyes, my alphabet is all over the place. So I've, I've gone H, then I've gone K, and I've, and I've got a J here. And then later down the line, I'm pretty certain I fucked up the last few letters as well. So what letter are we on? We're on I. We're on I. I hope. Now, this is going to be an argument, but, you know, for me, Christmas Christmas is, is a big thing. It's Christmas Day, it's Christmas Eve, it's Christmas Day, it's Boxing Day. Those are my Christmas. And I've got a thing that I do on these days, mate. Mm. On Christmas Eve, I watch Raiders of the Last Ark. On Christmas Day, I watch Temple of Doom. And on the final day, <laughs> I watch the best one. Last Crusade. Indiana Jones is my eye. It's inciting to me. It's Harrison Ford pissing about in a hat fighting Nazis and then sometimes, you know, like genocidal children killers. It's it's fun. It's for me. And that's why there isn't a fourth one because there's no fourth day of Christmas. <laughs> so uh, Indiana Jones is my eye and I know that it's not a Christmas movie. Christmas is not mentioned in it. But for me, I always remember watching BBC. They were like, just after Christmas dinner, like six o'clock, they show one. And that's how they would do it. And then they've stopped doing that. But I've bought the DVDs and now that's what I do. I carry on that tradition, BBC, because you failed me. Mm. Uh, so mine's Indiana Jones. But did you know that Harrison's Ford knee, Harrison Ford's knee was run over by the plane and tore his ACL. So Ford wrapped his knee and then just carried on filming. That's badass. That is. Years later, I mean, he'd break his arm with the Millennium Falcon and sue Disney. Yeah. But you know. Because fuck him. you got to get them Disney books. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, do you know what? Lately as well, I've been listening to more and more Harrison Ford. Have you seen him on uh, Late Night Chat Show? Mm. It's very funny. He knows his stuff. He's had, I always got the feeling that Harrison Ford was a bit of a dick, to be honest. Yeah, it, it seems to me that when he leaves America, that genuinely, when he leaves America, it seems like he stops giving a shit in interviews. Mm. It's almost like he thinks the film company won't check when he's out of the country supposed to be promoting a movie. Because <laughs> if you watch him on like the Blade Runner um, like promo tour with Ryan Gosling, he, he, just, he just mumbles and he comes and across as a very old man. And he comes across as rude as yeah. well sometimes because he's like taking a piss out of Ryan Gosling. He's like, what's your name? We're just like, you know his name. Stop yeah. being a dick. Or, but- or, he's all, or, or in Star Wars interviews, he's consistently like putting Star Wars down. You think, piss off. But, but then you see the ones in America and he does this funny one where he, he takes audiences from the... He takes oh, questions question. from the Chewbacca's audience. in the audience. And, and he goes, but no Star Wars one. And, and, and Chewbacca's last one goes, he goes, you dick. Yeah. You know what that. you've done. <laughs> yeah, in America, he seems to be completely different. He comes over this way and he just seems like a grumpy old man. Yeah. So my eye, James, is... Got infected, right? Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a PG. That's a Christmas joke. That's the, that's the closest we'll get to a Christmas cracker joke. As long as one of your relatives has conjunctivitis. <laughs> I, synonymous to me in Christmas time, are movies that were played on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, <laughs> Boxing Day, Indiana Jones. Yes. I've got the same thing. Mate, I'm fucking well proud of you right now. Yeah, Indiana Jones. Yeah, for me, it's exactly the same. Growing up, BBC would play them across the Christmas period. Raiders of the Lost Ark was Christmas Eve to me. It was an adventure. And it is now, I, I agree, now when I watch it, I think of Christmas, even though it is it's in, so far removed from know, Christmas. No, it is nothing Christmas in it at all. But I associate it that way. Um, my fact, though, about it is, and I know it's on the, uh, on everyone's thoughts and minds, is will uh, Shia LaBeouf be in the next instalment, of which Steven Spielberg has categorically said no. Oh, thank Christ. <laughs> thank you. That Mutt, because let's uh, remember, that was the character name, Mutt, I know. will not appear in Indiana Jones. Do you think Fire. that's like them being clever because Indiana Jones was named after Lucas's dog? He's just like, let's call him Mutt. <laughs> anyway, I've got a quick question for you. Take a break. Mm. What are you going to add these to the because you've got a kid now, you've grown up? 
is this going to be in your daughter's life? Are you going to have the Indiana Jones at Christmas? Hells yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I think definitely. I think um, I, I won't let her watch them as young as I did because that third one scared the pants out of me when matey takes the sip out of the wrong cup. Mm. Oh, actually, that's a good point, actually, yeah. That bit scared me. And um, also, is it in... Uh, well, Temple of Lost Doom is, is, is a bit... No, yeah, Temple yeah, of Doom is a bit... The monkey brains and yeah. shit. But then, what was that Superman movie when the lady gets caught in the machine at the end and turns bionic? Is that in the third I one? I think that's it. If I don't understand what it was, it's the third one. Because I know the fourth one off my heart, mate. <laughs> so, quest, for, quest for peace, mate. Nuclear the, man. The best one. Um, yeah, I think that third one scared the piss out of me as well. My nan would watch it every Saturday. <laughs> Which is, honestly, the most time toilet break ever. I've got to leave the room now. Oh, mate. Oh, Indiana Jones, the most non-Christmas film, but also the one that we've both got for eyes. So there you go. The there most go. Christmas movie so far. Now, Jay, I've got something for you, mate. I said this last year. I said I don't like this film. <laughs> And I watched it because I didn't have one for Jay. I was finding it hard to come up with one. So I rewatched it and you know, I actually quite like it. Jay, Jingle All The Way. I'm a, I'm a fan. I've turned the corner. You didn't like Jingle All The Way? I didn't. I didn't. My problem is I didn't care. <laughs> so I didn't. All I saw of it was what a dick dad. It was like, I'm a businessman. No, you're fucking not. Was he but, selling mattresses at the beginning right, or some just, shit? Just the line is what? So I watched this last night to get a Jay. I just remember thinking, he's out there going, he is an arsehole. Mm. He's a really bad father. But then you're expecting the butt. There isn't one. You just deal with it. <laughs> it's got some great lines. There. I mean, obviously, put the cookie down. He's like, I think he's, that's he's why I watched one. it. Yeah. But then, uh, I'm not a pervert. I just want the top of my jaw. <laughs> it's just got some like really mushy lines in it that um, Arnold Schwarzenegger you know, pulls off with pride. But and I think you, you've got to give him props for doing that. He's an action man and he's just, he just does this hey, to become an actual actor. You've got to man. remember it's that 90s when, you know, Sinbad was in movies, I and, know. and he could uh, he could bomb a he could bomb a radio station to get a doll. He's so weird, isn't it? Yeah. However, do you know what I really like? That's about part this? of the comedy. <laughs> the nice, mate. Yeah, it was a different world. Although, it also the the disc jockey in that who's giving away the Turnman doll. I only ever remember he was the headmaster in Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the TV show, Mr. Yep. John Hart. Yeah, I remember that. I think that's what his career is now. Is it? I used to be the headmaster. <laughs> You see him at Comic Cons. Comic Cons, yeah. <laughs> um, but did you know? And the reason I think this is because I really like Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman, obviously, a famous, great comedian actor. Uh, on set, he entertained the bored young co stars with improvised songs about butt shine and kissing said butt. I just think that's really nice. Mm. There is some outtakes on YouTube of, uh, him, of him entertaining and like, all the cast just watching and, and laughing along. I just think that's really sweet. I love Phil Hartman. And it's, it's a shame that he died. Yeah. And, it, you know, the end pays off. Seeing Schwarzenegger as Turbo Man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was the thing is though when you because I remember watching it and I remember this is the first time I watched it I remember about 15 minutes in going yeah I get it mm. I, I know what's going to happen I know what's going to happen with the film but this time watching it I was just thinking this could easily be a sequel to True Lies <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's got a fake job <laughs> so for this time they've got a younger kid maybe this was like a prequel <laughs> and that's what he was like. Someone saw him do all this and went, maybe he'll make a great super agent. So, <laughs> and, and also the neighbour who's trying to move in on the wife, you know, which is, you know, obviously this, you know, a nice Christmas storyline. It is Christmas storyline, yeah. But also if you were, if you were, you wouldn't go for Schwarzenegger's wife, would you? I mean, look at the size of him. Exactly. But, you know, he just sells matches. Confidence, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my Jay, of course... John McClane. And I had, to, I had to be careful because I could have done the A to Z of Die Hard, really, if I really wanted to take the piss. But... Hey, wait till next time. <laughs> <laughs> um, John McClane is uh, Christmas. He's Christmas Eve. He is the anti-hero. He's the guy that, uh, you know, got invited to the party by mistake. Um, now nah, his wife was there. But, it, you know, ultimately, 
you know, he's the hero who otherwise, so this is the thing I always go back to with dad is, is that he's, he's only there by circumstance, which makes him the hero. Otherwise he would eh, let the locals deal with it. Yeah. But I, I do love the, I do love dad. I love it's every time I watch it, I notice something else that's and, and not, I mean, I noticed all the great stuff, but you also notice all the little uh, bodge jobs and the little DIY filmmaking. Obviously, he filmed a lot overnight when the Fox uh, Tower was closed and obviously they use it for the Nakatomi Plaza. But last time when I was watching it last year, I, there's even a scene with an ex, with a, one of the cameramen in the background of a scene when Carl is, you know, when he's looking in the air ducts for John, who's, who, yeah. who delivers the classic, now I know what a TV dinner feels like line. Yeah, still if you, doesn't If you pause it at the right time, uh, Carl walks past a room and if you pause it, you see there's a sound guy with a boomstick just stood there. <laughs> and it's in the movie. And I've watched that movie 500 times and never noticed it. It's the, it's the gift that keeps on giving, which is dialed. And that is that, like I say, if you just, if you break it down, it is a crap script. <laughs> you know, the dialogue doesn't make sense, but it is beautifully portrayed by um, Alan Whitman in particular. Mm-hmm. You're right. Is it is and it is a Christmas film. And we did a whole movie uh, episode on on Die Hard. Um, so go back and check that episode out. Can I just point out that my list? There's something you should need to remember about this. It's, it's going to be a big point that I'll make out at the end because my mine all has a theme. You know, I'm just saying. Right. Anyway, on to K. K. What's the point in talking about this? It's obviously class. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a fantastic, fantastic animated film that we discovered numerous years ago. Named it one of our best films of the year. It is a fantastic portrayal of a young postman trying to make his name, trying to sell a book or two, get out of this dead-end town of warring families, and he meets J.K. Simmons. Mm. And it's like an origin story of Klaus, and it is a beautifully shot, made, directed, acted, voice acted superbly, with morals, with a genuine tugging on your hearts. It doesn't, it doesn't go big, but it does go home, mate. And it <laughs> is a fantastic film, and I adore this film. And I once tried to watch it, Outside of Christmas, and it felt dirty like I'd done something wrong. But did you know that J.K. Simmons once worked as a mall Santa while pursuing an acting career? Love it. There you go. I I put class as well. Yep, sorry, I'm a seat film of the year for 2019. The wonderful Netflix animation that sees lax postman Jasper deployed to the faraway frozen place where he meets a toy maker set on spreading some Christmas cheer. The, I, I like the origin story. I like where it goes with it as well, you know, that it actually becomes, that he inspires Christmas as opposed to become Santa himself. It's it's a wonderful movie. Um this it also is in my like run up to Christmas, probably Christmas Eve Eve. Mm. I do I think it's top tier. I think it might be the my favourite Christmas movie of all this time. This is the mo this is the one I'm most looking forward to showing my kid, yeah. my daughter. Yeah. That'd be cool. I'm looking forward. I don't think I don't know if Esther's seen this, but this would be really good to put in like the twelve days. Because I'm coming up with the twelve days for myself and Esther, and I think Claps is probably gonna be one. It's gotta be in there. And I think Christmas Eve makes a great time to watch it. You, Maybe just after you've had something to eat, mm. you you know, that the witching hour, it's, you know, you're comfy. Stick that on, mate, and give your brain a hug. Netflix's first animated film to be nominated for an Oscar. That was my fact. Absolutely amazing. Um, where do you go from the, the quite frankly, phenomenal Klaus? Well, you, you skip genres, mate. You go where many people have gone before. Cops, villains, drugs, murder, crime. You go lethal weapon. The great story of Mel Gibson, the lethal weapon back from war, crazed. Danny Glover, it's retiring, mate. It's the season of cheer, but it's also the scene to, it's also the, oh, fuck it, I had a kick-ass language I've ruined. It's also the season to kick ass. It is a great story. <laughs> and is it not a Christmas movie? Yes, it is. The, 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 the fuck's sake. 
Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say the fight scene. I was trying to build it up. It's just like they have a fight scene. He drives through Christmas. A house literally drives through Christmas. <laughs> a car drives through Christmas, setting it up for a shark versus Mel Gibson. Racist versus a shark. Who wins? <laughs> Gary Busey's finest performance in this movie. Mel Gibson at the peak eighties. Uh, you know, actually in the movie that he turned down Die Hard to do this, and John McClane, uh, sorry Bruce Willis, turned down Lethal Weapon to do Die Hard. So. I think that's absolutely phenomenal. Well, did you know? You might have known that, but did you know that Chris, uh, studies show that you have a great chance of dying on Christmas Day? No reason for it. It's mostly natural causes. Merry Christmas. <laughs> L for me. Could it have been last holiday with Queen Latifah? Could it have been last Christmas with Daenerys, Mother of Dragons? No, it is Love Actually. It, I'm going to go Love Actually. The Christmas ensemble, you cannot hate, except for Andrew Lincoln's storyline, which is Borderline Stalker. That is weird, isn't it? I, I, do you know what? I don't like that scene. No, I, I, I hate that, all that When stuff. everyone thinks it's like really romantic. Do you know what? What I was going to have for one of my letters was, I think it was W, was, would never happen. And this was going to be my example. It's like, who does that? And she finds it charming. You'd just be like, how about you go fuck yourself? Yeah. Worst best man ever. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, Andrew Lincoln's character is the most dated in it because of the, the like, the flary jeans and the, and he just looks 2000s, you know mm. what I mean? So it doesn't really age well, but, I, do you know what I love about Love Actually? is actually the opening, the Hugh Grant uh, monologue about Heathrow Terminal 4, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, where he's on about like terrorism and, you know, he's on about like the world and everything like that. He's like, but you can't, you can't not be inspired by the happiness that is the arrivals gate at Heathrow. Yeah. You know, and the fact that people, you know, that haven't seen each other for so long or people that have returned safer from trips, the hugging, the embrace and all that stuff. That's actually something I agree with. I think that's brilliant. I think mm. that's shot. I, th- I think I get like that because I really like the architecture of airports and like, I like like that in, in that split second, there's no, like, there's pure emotion. Mm. Before like the bickering starts, you know, like, oh, what cheating on you while you're away. <laughs> in that moment, you're, you're just like happy <laughs> that you've seen a loved one again. Yeah. And I, that's a really good shout. My problem is though, I just, uh, I think there's too much going on. And I know that's the point. It is messy, it is and, messy. It, and it has a lot to it has a lot to take in it. But then it's the gift that keeps on giving. Like every time I watch it, every time I forget about the excellent Rowan Atkinson scene. Mm. You know, where Alan Rickman's waiting for the gift to be wrapped, and he just loses his shit. He's like, "What? What are you going to do next? Dip it in chocolate?" <laughs> just <laughs> you know, I forget about the Liam Neeson storyline, and that he was trying to sp- quit smoking at the time, which is why he's got a toothpick in his mouth a lot of the film. Yeah. There's loads of things about Love Actually that I really like, but. My fact is Laura Linney, the, the character that Laura Linney plays was written as a Laura Linney type. And then the casting director said, we'll just get fucking Laura Linney then. <laughs> to which case she was in it. I really like Laura Linney. I do. Underrated. I think she's fantastic. I oh, do. Do you know what, Love Actually? I think that's going to be a film that I'm going to have to give the second chance to, you know. It's, it is worth a watch this Christmas. And, and if Esther hasn't seen it, I think... Um, she definitely has. Oh, yeah. Because I was trying to get it off the list. <laughs> the, other, the other fact, because I always forget that Billy Bob Thornton's in the movie. He plays the American president, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he does. And, Sexist uh, misogynist. <laughs> who hates antiques. But I didn't know Billy Bob Thornton hates antiques. Oh. Yeah, and it, one of the um, or he, it, one, of, one of the clauses to being in it was that he didn't want to be in a room with any antiques in it. That's weird. That is weird, isn't it? <laughs> so weird. Going back to my B and not knowing whether I like Billy Bob Thornton or whether I just find him fascinating. Um, well, I you know I see love actually. There's only one thing I can do that. If you know me, you know I love one Christmas movie above all. It's my Christmas Day movie. It's when you say Christmas, I say Muppet Christmas Carol. And, you know, go back to last year, I devote, devoted a whole episode to the greatness that it is with the songs, the the, the humour, the comedy. It's it's four kids, 
but it knows that there's going to be adults there with their children and it gives you some jokes as well. That Michael Keaton, Michael Caine didn't realise it was for kids, let's be honest. Yeah, Michael, but do you know what? Michael Caine gives a phenomenal performance, an absolutely phenomenal performance acting against Felt. Yeah. I'm just saying, it's a tearjerker. It's a brilliant film. It's one of my favourite portrayals of my favourite Christmas story. But did you know that unlike the book, Bob, played by Kermit, is not Scrooge's sole employee? Also in the book, there isn't a sentient frog made from felt. <laughs> well, I don't know what. Hold the phone. <laughs> Muppet Treasure. Muppet Treasure Island. I've said it by mistake, but I'm going down this. I love that film as well. More Tim Curry. I, 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 we did talk about this last year with Christmas Carol and different incarnations. And I think Muppets is my favourite one. Yeah. Because all the others, by the time you get to the Ghosts of Christmas future, mm. you kind of start losing a bit of steam. I do anyway with him. And, and you kind of want to get it wrapped up to the bit where he comes back changed and he's like, buy the biggest turkey in the window. You know, yeah. and you kind of want to get back to the happiness scenes. Um, And most of them run out of steam, bar Muppets. It's got great pacing all the way through the movie. W- with the exception of a movie that I'm going to talk about, which is loosely based on Christmas Carol in a few letters time. Yeah. But yeah, all the other ones, because I like the Jim Carrey animation one. The, He's beautifully uh, shot. The Zemeckis movie. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that one um, as well. But again, I do find myself getting a bit lost by the time I get to like the middle ghosts. Um, my M, behind every great man, James, is a great woman, Mrs. Klaus herself. <sighs> yeah. Um, Mrs. Claus often depicted as the cookie making gingerbread baking toy designer but deep down we all know gets shit done that's what I liked about Goldie Horn in the second one the only Christmas Chronicles too. the only way he's like Goldie Horn is the one that does stuff <laughs> Goldie Horn was in my list is in terms of my favourite incarnations but the top one for me is certainly uh, Margaret Claus in Arthur Christmas voiced by Harry Potter oh. super shit Imelda Staunton yes Cracking choice. I love Arthur Christmas. I'm quite surprised that she didn't make my list. But. And that, that is the one where, obviously, because she's looking after generations of retired uh, Santa Clauses as well. Yeah. Um, you know, you can tell she keeps cool throughout. You know, there's all this, you know, one kid's not going to get their toy that, you know, or their gift that year and it's going to crumble. You know, Christmas is going to come down on its knees and she remains calm throughout the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Mrs. Claus gets the mention for my M. That's a really good shout. And do you know what? I really do like Arthur Christmas. I watched that last year or the year before. And that was a really good, um, great casting. So Jim Robin was kind of like one of my favourite. He should be Santa Claus more. And mm. he's in the Santa Claus film. Yeah, he, talk he about did a later. couple actually, yeah. Um, um, my fact though, um, no, sorry, Mrs. Bruce. Claus first appeared in literature in 1889 and was described only as a fairly heavy set kind grandma type. Yeah, because she's busy baking, mate, I imagine, and, you know, supplying elves with the food well, and just love. Santa, you know, runs on sugar. Exactly. Um, N, no surprises here. A film that is weird because comedy changes, but this crass, brash comedy, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, is still does hold up and is a fun, fun film to watch. Um, I think it's a dad's film. I think you only appreciate the humour once you've become a dad yourself. So I'm looking forward to the next level when I, if I'm mm. a child and I get to hit that next level of being the dad at the festive time when everything's going mental and he's surrounded by these lampoonish characters. Fantastic, great addition to the uh, National Lampoon's filmography. Cracking film that I thoroughly enjoy. The best one as well. It is the best one. And, it, and it's my end as well. I think National Lampoon is always worth a revisit. Christmas songs and Christmas films, all right, you are, for the most part, limited to one month a year, but you are also, if you get it right, going to be played every year without fail. And National Lampoons is one of them. 
it's paced really, really well. Even when the when even when it slows down to the scenes where he's like he's bumbling around in the attic, yeah, because he's locked out and he's trying to stay warm. It's even entertaining. And Chevy Chase is known as being one of the hardest people to work with in Hollywood. He's always been a bit of a dick to uh, his fellow actors and the producers in movies and stuff. But it's one of them. You can't deny it is a great slapstick performance. And you're right; it, it all boils down to the dinner table towards the end of the movie. But it's just got every element to it. The estranged uncle that comes to stay, you know, in this case played by Randy Quaid with the great, you know, shit is broken scene, which is brilliant. <laughs> Literally dumping the septic tank on his on his lawn, you know, as he arrives. To the bickering of who has, you know, the right amount of lights on their house between him and a the neighbour. There's loads to the movie. And there's a lot of jokes that are actually, they're not even blue. They're not even, they are well over, you know, like particularly with how he talks to the neighbour's wife. There's no sugarcoating. That's not subliminal. That's not, you know, or anything. That is straight up. Straight up. <laughs> so there's two that are famous, two facts. And I went with I went with the boring one, purely because of an answer I give later. But did you know National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation was only shown in cinemas in America and therefore wasn't seen in most other countries that it released in VHS several years later? So it wasn't an instant Christmas classic. It had to be, and I think that's more impressive, you know, mm. the fact that, yeah, kind of VHS sales, let's be honest, are based on, if you don't show it, people aren't going to know it. So people aren't going to take the risk. And which is surprising, particularly from Britain, because... We are the blue. <laughs> we, yeah, yeah, but we are also the Christmas day that goes wrong. You look at any soap, you look at any kind of Christmas animation, you look at anything like that, or, or Christmas movies set in the UK, or, or ba- just in general, uh, British comedies, you know, it's normally your main character is the guy that's struggling to, or the other woman who's struggling to keep shit together as everything crumbles around them. You know, or, or or the Miss Happy character, the Mr. Bean type character, which again is quite synonymous with Christmas specials. And National Lampoon actually plays into British comedy really well. That tends to be the kind of stuff we make. Um, for me, the fact was this was the last movie that May Questrel uh, starred in, who also was the voice of Betty Boop and started her, oh. career, started her career in 1930. I did read that she was the voice of Betty Boop. No, oh, there you go. That's really cool. Right, now. I can't talk about this one too much because we're talking about Christmas movie ones. I had to get it in there, but I wanted to be clever about it. So I don't know how you do your list. I write down my big ones, put them down there. The vowels, I'll start with the vowels. Yeah, and then I basically divvy them up. And then if I've got more for one, I then try very hard to crowbar one in there. So my O, at Christmas, we have office parties. There's no more iconic office party than the one in Die Hard and Akatami Plaza. So my O is office party, in brackets, the one in Die Hard. Um, <laughs> It's how you've spoken about it. It's a great Christmas movie. It's a great action film. It's a phenomenal, it's a, it's a respite of greatness. Everything about it is fantastic from the storyline down to the minuscule production, which you, is laughable at times. But did you know that Sam Neill was originally approached to play the role of Hans Gruber? I did not know that. That's from, well, it's from I, mean, the, I thought I knew everything about that. That's, that's from the internet, mate, so it's probably not true. <laughs> so. Have you seen the movie that has TJ Miller... Jason Bateman and Jennifer Aniston off this Christmas party. Have you seen it? I have, which is why it's not on the list, because I hate it. <laughs> I thought if you kept it in the party, yeah, there's a film there, and, and it kept it low budget. It, it obviously turns into this hyper-light, unrealistic New York party. That becomes, Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> if they kept it really low budget, and it, and it was about a Christmas party, and but you know someone brings drugs in, they accidentally get into the punch and that kind of stuff. You know, the person who's trying to swing a deal with the, you know, the big corporate business down the road and, you know, he's using the Christmas party to do it. There's a really good indie movie, like low budget movie in it. The problem is, is, you know, it really went for it with the cast. You know, Jason Bateman, I think he's perfectly cast in just about everything. But Jennifer Anderson's big books by mm. that point. 
TJ Miller plays the token, you know, lovable idiot. In I was going to say idiot, yeah. And, um, and by the end of the movie, he really loses itself when it goes out of the office party and into the streets. But just, it, it loses his identity. Yeah. It just becomes so generic. I'm just but like, I don't care. But, but then again, I was, the, I was suffering well, and they were still in the office, I'd like to point out. Oh, I, I quite enjoyed the idea, you know, like you've got the, because uh, put it in long story short, in September of all times, I went up to a, a friend's estate up in Newcastle for a few nights. And um, they put it on. They were like, I was, and I was like, this is fucking weird watching a Christmas movie in like September. Way too early for my liking. But they said they found it really funny. And I, I, right atmosphere, you know, watch it. I just watched Bake Off, James, mm. you know, and I was, I was going into <laughs> this and, and I just found it enjoyable. And, you know, in fact, it was Halloween actually. It was October, not September. Sorry. But it's still early. It's still early. Um, but I did find myself laughing out loud. The, the, the side storylines about, you know, like the, the the quiet guy at the office who pretends that he's got a girlfriend and he has to hire an escort to come in. You know, he's got things like that. There is a comedy link in there. Not not the main storyline, but a side storyline that you cut to. Mm. I thought there was a good office-based uh, Christmas party film. It just lost itself completely, but still had enough in it to find it entertaining. So. Yeah? Was that your O? No, my oh, O is um, Odd Body. No, you're on your own. Clarence Oddbody. No. Played by Henry Travers in Frank Capra's 1946 film, It's a Wonderful Life, oh, The Guardian yeah. Angel that stops our uh, leading man from committing suicide towards the end of the movie. Why? Because <laughs> I needed to know. James, <laughs> and for some reason, I couldn't think of one and I didn't want to offer by. Do you know what? This is one I struggled on like with, with like, you know, good letters. So yeah, that's a good point. But uh, it did. I did want in this list somewhere to talk about It's a Wonderful Life because I do enjoy that movie. And I think a few years back, we did cover it as in our, in our advent of Christmas movies. So we did 24 movies on the countdown towards uh, Christmas. And it did make that list. It is a good movie. It's a well-made movie. I did enjoy it. But the Christmas part of it, you have to look hard towards the end of the movie. And then, yeah, so I don't, I don't really associate Okay, the cover's them in front of a Christmas tree and everything, and, it, and the last part of the movie is around Christmas time. But, you know, it's a, it's almost like a biography film. You know, it starts from his childhood all the way through the years and everything. His successes, his downfalls, his marriage, and all that kind of stuff. And it only ends at Christmas. Now, I know you could say the same about Die Hard, James. It's, <laughs> it's terrorism. It's an action movie that happens to be on Christmas Eve. No. But my point is, Die Hard's Christmas movie. <laughs> it's Wonderful Life, isn't it? I said it. <laughs> his name is Aaron. <laughs> No, Remember, I'm... when you start your complaint, <clears throat> just start, hey, sweetie, <laughs> softens the blow. Right, now, now. Oh, sorry, my fact. Oh, he's David Hyde Pierce played the role of uh, Clarence Oddbody in 2005's musical adaptation. Oh, good casting, like David Hyde Pierce. Right, now, what did these films have in common? Although, if you say Christmas, that's not the answer. No, there's Santa Claus. <laughs> so okay. Just remember that. The Santa Claus, Miracle on 34th Street, Christmas Chronicles. Ernest Saves Christmas, The Santa Trap, Get Santa, Jingle All The Way, Bad Santa, Trading Places. They're all films you watch in December. Well, that's good. I like that. No. <clears throat> you get the mythical creature of Santa Claus or his elves and you put them in P, prison. It's a, yes. It's a Christmas statistic that if you're making a Christmas movie, at some point Santa has to end up in jail. Someone's got to risk Christmas Eve in the slammer. Is every, all of these films, I didn't realise it was a trope until I was, I was thinking, I was like, I'm sure he ends up in jail in this film, this film, this film. And every like, kind of Christmas character at some point in the Christmas movie, if you want to be a real Christmas movie, ends up in the slammer. Because nothing says cheer to all men than locking you up and denying you human rights. Because you're right, it's the mechanics, isn't it? Is they, that is the bottom, you know, other than, you know, obviously... 
Um, yeah, it's looking around, isn't it, in the drunk tank on Christmas Eve yeah. and, and realising that you are at the bottom of the pile at that point. You're right. You, if your hero has to climb a hill in the third act, to get him there, he has to go to prison. So, P, my Christmas movie can't be a Christmas movie unless it has some sort of prison. But did you know an average of 154 people are arrested for drink driving on Christmas Day? Wow. Do not drink and drive. No, don't do that. P, James, it's in prison because I was so proud of prisons. <laughs> I'm not joking. It's the proudest I've ever been. And I'm a 35-year-old man. <laughs> so. I've, I've gone, you, we've already talked about Muppets in this show. We've talked about, um, you know, all the different mediums from live action and animation. But one of the things we've got to put in there for P is prosthetics, James. <laughs> prosthetics, <laughs> which peaked in 1998. Michael Keaton starring as Jack Frost. A film where as a human, Michael Keaton played Jack Frost. So he didn't become Jack Frost. He was already Jack Frost. And I think that's integral to the storyline. He's an aging rock star, James, that's lost his way and wants a part of that fame. And he tragically dies. But don't worry, because his son brings him back with a magical harmonica it's the not, following year. And he, becomes a, and he becomes a snowman. It fucking was. A, a snowman that suspiciously looks like George Clooney, James. <laughs> <laughs> and why does it look like George Clooney? Because George Clooney was signed on to be in the movie and then pulled out at the last minute and he had already made the snowman to look like George Clooney. And anyone who says it doesn't look like George Clooney is a fucking liar. Look at that snowman. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't care other movies that came out in 98. You can, you can fucking stuff your deep impact in your Armageddon, your faculty, Big Lebowski, Godzilla, same Pro Ryan. Not Jack Frost, is it? <laughs> Jack Frost came out the year before, the horror movie version. Guess which one got a sequel, James? The horror version. But that's beside the point. <laughs> Which was scarier? <laughs> Which was scared more kids? It's Michael Keaton snowboarding. It's fucking weird. It's so weird. There's nothing better than when Michael Keaton's voice comes out of a snowman. <laughs> Honestly, that's his Christmas to me, James. Oh. Prosthetics peaked in 1998. Oh, do you want to go first with your cue? Because mine's fucking... No, fact, yeah, George Clooney was supposed to be in Jack Frost 1997. The horror movie the year that came out the year before spawned a sequel but this classic did not yeah you go with Q because we are tediously getting close to Christmas now so Q quiet as a mouse Mickey Mouse Disney film (laughs) 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 yeah that's that's I had fond memories of when I was a kid I one of my Christmas presents was always a Disney VHS. So I, so for Q, it's quiet as a mouse, Mickey Mouse, Disney films. We, <laughs> so we got there, didn't we? Yeah. Um, did you know the roars in The Lion King were made by a man called Frank growling into a trash can, which I feel is the greatest fact I read this week. <laughs> it's tragic. Well, now that's my Q or Frank. They've probably got paid a lot more than I get paid for my job to exactly. do that. Oh... Q James. But he, what's, he, what's, what, what, when you think about Christmas, what do you think about? Christmas Day in particular. Food. No, but you know, what, what, what event in Christmas Day? Oh, you're going to Queen's Speech, aren't you? Ah, I went with a Queen. <laughs> then I started trying to think, hold on, Queen did a Christmas song, Thank God It's Christmas. Has that been in a movie? Couldn't find one. But then I thought, what is the Queen's favourite Christmas movie, James? Die. <laughs> food's fucking die. Have a guess. It's a Wonderful Life. Nope. Um, J- Jack Frost. Nope. <laughs> Love actually. Flash Gordon, 1980. <laughs> I will see your fact, James, and I will trump it. <laughs> Mate, I think you might be my favourite letter for once. <laughs> Queen, the Queen's favourite Christmas movie in an interview, Flash Gordon. Who is the interview with? Fucking 40s weekly. <laughs> the, 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 the movie that no longer. <laughs> You can't you know, watch that film anymore. <laughs> culturally depicts characters in in uh, in a negative light, but um, 
Yeah, Flash Gordon. No one saw that coming. It actually, surprisingly, James, um, stumped the interviewer at the time. Fucking hell. The whole cast, for my fact, the whole cast signed on to a free movie deal, none of which got made after the first one. Q might be my favourite letter, mate. That was brilliant. Mm. Well played. Um, Ah. Mm, Romance. Holiday. Let it snow. Last Christmas. Love the Coopers. Night before Christmas. Just friends. Why him? Love actually. You don't have romance in your Christmas movie. You're going to die alone. <laughs> so you can't have a decent Christmas film. Name a Christmas movie now. I'll show you romance. Die hard. Mm. Why was he saving all those lives? For Holly Gennaro, mate. And his kids, you know. Exactly. But did you know 20% of colleagues engage in unprotected sex during an office Christmas party leading to a rise in STDs in January? <laughs> nice. <laughs> Nothing says romance <laughs> like an office party. Ah, oh, for me. Um, I wanted somewhere in this list to put my favourite Santa. Oh, that's cool. That's you nice. Know, so I thought, if we're going to go down this list, my favourite on-screen live action is Richard Ambra. Yeah, he's a cracker, isn't he? Yeah, Miracle on 34th Street, regardless of liking the movie, disliking the movie or whatever, I do think he is Santa in my eyes. Like, whenever I think of Santa, whenever I think of Santa movies, you can keep your Tim Allens, you know. For me, it is uh, Richard Ambra's portrayal as um, Chris Kringle in this movie. Chris, uh, You know, it, it's... For me, everything. And and I, I did go back actually last year, I think it was, and rewatched it. And as an adult, the movie is a lot more enjoyable than mm-hmm. as, as a kid because the film asks more questions than just, is he actually Santa? So I think appreciating it as an adult is much better. My fact though is, although retiring from acting in 1978, Richard Nattenberg accepted the role in Jurassic Park because Gandhi beat E.T. at the Oscars for Best Picture. Yeah. And so he did it to for Steven Spielberg as a kind of love letter to say, you know, I think E.T. should have won, but Gandhi did. Um, so I'll be in this movie. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, he, he was a cracker, wasn't he? Mm. Mate, I, I dropped that pun twice. You were talking about Christmas films. He's a cracker. I, di- I didn't realise as well. I didn't realise he was fucking vice, nothing here. He was the vice president of BAFTA. You know, as long as, as well as a lot of his other kind of accreditations, but um, yeah, his his life and work in front and behind the camera is actually quite uh, astounding. He's and it also what's really sweet about him is, regardless of like his famous like brothers and stuff like that, in his work, he he, he went down to say Gandhi was his biggest life ambition to direct the film Gandhi, and then he won Best Picture for it, and uh, Ben Kingsley won uh, Best Actor that year for it as well. So you know, in terms of living out your dream and also being rewarded for it. Um, it's quite an achievement. Yeah. Do you know what? Gandhi's a film I don't go back to. I've seen it once. I genuinely, it makes me feel bad. It's just, I don't like feeling that way. So I don't watch it. Now, let's let's turn the, let's turn the fucking, you know, I don't know why I got so down in here. S, let's raise the roof, mate. Turns out that Santa is actually a demon, sired by Satan and is a deranged killer desperate for revenge after an angel who bested him in a curling match. Yep, Santa Slay. Santa Slay. This is the one with Goldberg in it. Goldberg. <laughs> so Gold- we should say Slay spelled Slay, like yeah. S-L-A. So Why? it is S-L-A. Why? It is on, mate. He's not here to deliver gifts. He's here to like, you know, say hi to a strip club and <laughs> beat some people up. It's a ridiculous film, but do you know what? It's fun. It's over, it's off the chain, mate. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to the point of what's the point? Don't go in there with a decent hat. Go in there with silly Billy in your eyes, mate. And then you're going to have a lot of fun and it's great. But did you know that Goldberg went on a 173 winning streak before losing to Kevin Nash in WCW? I did know that, James. I did know. And also, what's really funny about that is that you joined that saga when he was at 150 and I thought, where's all the other fights? Yeah, he went up from one week to like 17 to like 100. 
But dude, in terms of wrestling, getting in the ring with someone, Goldberg, I mean, I always question going in with someone just wearing pants. Yeah. Because, you know, they got an option to wear trousers. They chose the pants, James. <laughs> to show off them glutes. <laughs> I don't know what a glute is for the record. But uh, Goldberg, he looks scary, man. Them traps, mate. Yeah. The muscles in them necks. I, the only reason I went Santa Slate is, and this isn't really fair, but I was trying to get Santa with muscles in it so badly you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> so, I want to, yes. <laughs> Santa with muscles. Special mention, Santa with muscles. <laughs> For me, I'm going back to where I started with Bill Morey, Scrooge. A version of A Christmas Carol was going to make the list. And for me, no better than Scrooge itself. Um, out of all of Carol's um, adaptations, I think this is maybe my favourite other than the Muppets one. Yeah. It's a, it's a good one. I'll let you off. Starring Bill Morey as uh, the uh, as Frank Cross, sorry, the selfish, cynical TV exec. He had to be a TV exec, didn't he? Yeah. He's no more bigger dick than a TV exec. Haunted by free spirits. My fact is Bill Murray, all three of his brothers cameo in this movie. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's, it's a great movie. Bill Murray is in his element. I keep saying this, we need to do a Bill Murray episode at some point. Uh, yeah, we do. I thought we had. <laughs> so... I don't think we have. No, we don't think we have. No. I think we talked about it, but Scrooge is, is one of my favourites. It's also it's prime Bill Murray with the 80s hair. I was just saying it's a great time that it was released as well. I I, I like my Murray in, in, in the 80s and mulleted, <laughs> curly, you know. Yeah, that's that's a cracker. We're on to T. I'm going to stop saying that's a cracker now because I, I did that one by mistake. <laughs> T, it's December. It's time to go to the closet and dust off your Tim Allen. <laughs> So, tea is, <laughs> so it's T's for Tim Allen because if the world decided to cancel December, Tim Allen would have no career. But did you know he nearly wasn't cast in the Santa Claus due to his criminal past and his yeah. heavy drug use? Oh, this is the thing in Disney. Like Disney won't touch uh, like Johnny Depp or anyone who's of modern times. Yeah. And Tim Allen is the the person who's the exception to the rule, isn't yeah. it? Because he's such a great actor. <laughs> that's that, that's what it is. Yeah. Definitely not got something on Disney. Uh, so, yeah, it's somehow Tim Allen keeps getting cast in Disney films, especially around Christmas. Fuck it, I don't know how. <laughs> T? Yeah? Oh, was that your fact? Oh, yeah, that was it about him not with his criminal past. T. The. <laughs> Acceptable, mate. The Krampus folklore. Ooh. The horned uh, figure from Eastern Europe who scares and steals misbehaving children. Kinky Krampus is known for his whips, chains, and his birch sticks, as well as his army of goblins and ghouls. Ooh. I love the, the uh, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what, you know, that, that kind of pairing of polar opposites, but Christmas, which is synonymous with the kind of goodwill and the, you know, the charity and the, the kind of looking out for your neighbor and all the kind of, the positivities. I don't, Jesus, obviously. Obviously. But, I then love movies like Krampus as a as a dark comedy that comes out, which kind of throws all that out the window. And Krampus, this horned, hoofed, um, you know, German or folk, you know, Eastern European uh, folklore villain, looks awesome. The 2015 movie with Tony Collette and Adam Scott in it, I I really like, and I still go back to it. The Killer Gingerbread Man in it is maybe my second favorite Killer Gingerbread Man after Gary Busey's. I was gonna say Gary Busey made me hard, <laughs> tough like this, mate. Yeah, I felt I jumped the gun when I said uh, Lethal Weapon was Gary Busey's best performance. <laughs> it was when he played a gingerbread man. Yeah. And I also kicked myself there when I talked about prosthetics. I didn't talk about gingerbread man. But um, the film everyone needs to see. Yeah, for me, uh, my fact though, in the Krampus or Krampus the movie, the snow in the movie was made up of the material used to make nappies Ooh. or diapers if you're not in the UK. That's interesting. Now we're scraping the bottom here. It's going to be hard. We've done the big ones. It's you. But nothing says Christmas quite like an unhinged child. Tell me more. I'm going to tell you about Kevin McAllister. Instead of phoning the police, 
when he thought strangers were going to break in. He definitely went with California Stand Your Ground law and decided to torture the yeah, living fuck out of them. Yeah, have everything that, uh, that that house had in its 19 bedrooms and everything. He did have an AK under the fucking bed. Mate, he, he was such a fuck. He, what I find really funny is that he doesn't end up in jail because I'm fairly certain he's a serial killer. He grew up to be, you know, a serial killer. It's sickening. But also... Did he grow up to be the jigsaw killer? Yeah, I've, I've heard, heard that. I've heard that. <laughs> but um, a special mention as well, Christmas Chronicles, Teddy, because he randomly just starts stealing cars and fucking selling drugs randomly halfway through the movie. <laughs> but did you know, Home Alone itself became a verb. It means that other films suffered at the box office because of Home Alone's long and successful run. It wasn't supposed to be in the cinema long, but audiences wouldn't stop going, so it kept going. So it started drawing money from other films. Hence, in Hollywood, I've been Home Alone means that your movie hasn't made much money because another film has done better than it was thought it would. And also, we talked about this in previous years. There's the um, the number that is displayed in the film was the actual number at the time, wasn't there? And it got flooded yeah. with people watching the film, dialing it. And it got to the point where if people had called that number... Um, you could get a free cinema ticket to go watch it, which also ran to its extended runtime in cinemas. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, 99 Home Alone is, is um, it's just brilliant, isn't it? It is brilliant. Is, is, you know what? It's, it's a classic, an instant classic. And what I love about this, and this is another fact I've read, but it all came on the set of Uncle Buck. You know, they there's quite a lot that you will look into Home Alone, but it's seeing uh, Macaulay Culkin and then like everyone was thinking, well, you know, and that's where it was birthed from the film Uncle Buck and obviously John Candy, one of my favourite actors, records all his parts in, in one day. He only had like six hours. It's like, let's bash them all out. I just love, I just, I, there's something about how Home Alone's put together. You know, Joe Pesci's the first film he'd never sworn in. You know, everyone says Joe Pesci, everyone thinks Home Alone, when in reality, he made his entire career playing incredibly like psychopathic characters, but you remember him getting like a nine in the head when he's more famous in his head you know, like should have winning an Oscar, winning an Oscar for like Goodfellas where he beats people to death. And, you know, Casino stabs to death a guy with a pencil, you know, but no, it's Home Alone. It's Home That's Alone now, remember. So we go to the, the Pesci argument all the time is that I don't see him as like a hard vicious person I see him as an annoying shit yeah and that's probably because I watched Home Alone so many times as a kid saturating my brain to Pesci and and oddly My Cousin Vinny was the second movie that I used to watch a lot with uh, you better not with Joe Pesci I fucking love that I love that movie still don't understand how she won an Oscar I still to this day do not understand no one does James it's there it's one of the uh, the mysteries of film but it's second of Lower Crash Yes, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and Shakespeare in Love. But um, for, me, for me, like, I, I come back and I'm, uh, when I then see Goodfellas and stuff like that, and I just, I don't see the scary, volatile gangster. I see, you know, the the, the prat outside the house who can't get in, you know, he's just freaking, smash, 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 smash a yeah. fucking window. Yeah. Yeah. Unhinged child children. Water bandits, mate. Yeah. Let's make it easier for them to find you. <laughs> You you talk about Christmas traditions. You talk about things that are, you know unhinged children being that. I give you James under the mistletoe for my year. The Christmas tradition shown in its most purest form in the Christmas movie Batman Return. Uh, Batman Begins. Sorry, Batman Returns. I've been with constructive device. I can't remember. Batman notes. Returns. Acceptable. Yes, mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it, but a kiss can be deadlier if you mean it. A great line from cinema from Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. But it's actually you know, a really good line. I think there's a good line, yeah. And then obviously she then kills Max Shrieker or whatever his name is in that movie. Weirdly by kissing, but also electrocuting him. Yeah, that because you weird. could just electrocute him. Yeah, that's why I don't understand. Or like, you shoot him. I mean, it, it, she's really hell bent on the electricity. Just mm. <laughs> drown yeah. him. You're near a pool. Drown him. Also, the nine last bit. You know, when you, she she's getting shot at the end, you, you know, one in the head, I think would have done it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah. But there's a thing with Christopher Walken, can't aim up. 
Um, but for me, my fact though is talking about under the mistletoe. Harry Potter's first kiss was under the mistletoe. Oh, James. that's sweet. And Woody and Bo Peep. No one cares about it's that. It's a Christmas mechanic, particularly when you're making a, a film centered around children, where you want your uh, antagonist and love interest to kiss. The best way to do it is with the innocence of mistletoe, because you don't want them to be cheating. Because usually, if it's if they're in a relationship. It's usually the partner of one of the kisses goes, oh, you have to kiss him because you're under the tree. And then they kiss. And yeah. then he's like, oh, that was sweet. But, you know, the audience, we're going, ooh. And yeah, it's because you might get that. And again, I'm going to put him in there. I'm going to, I'm going to point him out. Could you get some elderly in there? In yeah. that film, they might be like, oh, 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 what a hussy. But it's all right, James, with mistletoe. It's cute then, isn't it? It's fine. Yeah. Well, do you know what? At Christmas, you need people like Harry and Marv or Jin from Bad Santa. How about Oogie Boogie? Granville Sawyer? How about Hans Gruber? At Christmas, you've got to have a villain. Trying to steal Christmas. Got Christmas villains. You went there, didn't you? I did went there. So I think with all of these great films, you've got to have a villain. You know, even if you go back to, you know who Granville Sawyer was? Why he's the villain? Because he put Crinkle in jail because he thought he was mental and he was arguing that he should be locked up when he was just Father Christmas, mate. It's true. So that's sickening. But did you know that in 1640, celebrating Christmas was actually a punishable crime? Was it? It, I think it's like 1640, that must have been... Cromwell, so it must have been Cromwell, you know, changing to the Protestant calendar. So I think that's what it would be. But I'm basing that on nothing. <laughs> so basing that on my very thin grasp of dates. There you go. Now, my V, James. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, and this isn't me like clutching at straws and, and, you know, tedious links and everything. From day one on this podcast. Yeah. And pretty much every episode, <laughs> I've always said, and you know what? It's quotable. Everyone knows this about me. They say it all the time. Listen to podcasts like Aaron. Do you know what you know about Aaron? No. Favourite reindeer, Vixen. Say it all the time, mate. I've said it so many times on this podcast. <laughs> that you can take your Rudolphs and Blitzen and the other ones. Prancer. You hate Prancer. Prancer, yeah. <laughs> up his own arse, mate. What a dick. But Vixen has always been my favourite reindeer. In the same way in the same way that there's a lot of people that thought Robin Hood, the fox, was hot. <laughs> For some reason, they tried to sexualise. Vixen out of all of them. Do you know what audience is? If you can go back and find the episode where he said that, we'll give you a TV. <laughs> <laughs> um, but did you know that my favourite incarnation of Vixen <laughs> was, in, was in Robbie the Reindeer, <laughs> where it, she was voiced by Caroline Quinton? Oh, now, I, I don't believe you. <laughs> or Leah Romini, if you were watching the American dubbed version, because this is uh, Claymation, very similar to... Um, what's it called? The uh, Wallace and Gromit um, Ardman style. Ardman series. Yeah. Um, now, mate, just but you wait till you hear the cast list of this, depending on which one you watched. If you watch the UK version, your cast would include Robbie Williams in the lead role, Steve, Steve Coogan, Paul Whitehouse, Ricky Tomlinson, Harry Enfield, <coughs> Ardlod uh, O'Hanlon. Basically, if you're not from the UK, a lot of people that were very big in the 90s and early 2000s, but but they're, they're not anymore. I was going to say their popularity died quite early on. But if you watch the US version, James, you would have had Ben Stiller and Britney Spears in it. Oh my God. Harry Enfield or Britney Spears. Robbie the Reindeer. Robbie the my Reindeer. My favourite, that's every week, Vixen. V. V. Mate, you know what? Apparently. Go with it. I think we've got the same W. I'm pointing out of there. I don't think we have. <laughs> I can guarantee you we don't. My W, It's a Wonderful Life. It's a very merry, Muppet Christmas movie. Hugo, The Christmas List. I'm going for wishes in Christmas movies. Christmas oh. movie, everyone has a wish. 
you know, it, it seems to be, I'll be honest, I thought there was a lot more movies than I had to believe for wishes, but you know, God or the power that runs this world at Christmas grants, you know, wishes to children, usually single, they don't, they've lost their dad or their parents are divorced. Did you know that child slavery is still a thing though? And racism is still rampant throughout society. So thank you for focusing on the love life of your parents. Don't fix those. But did you know that wishes aren't real? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I don't want. Yeah, I'm, what did you have for W there? Because I'm a bit worried. Have I missed like a really big one? W, James, talking about wishes. I'm going to talk about someone who didn't even understand their own wish. That was about a woman who had her eyes set on someone. She didn't approach him. It took him going in a coma. What the fuck? How have I missed this? It took her going, took them going in a coma before he was, and she didn't even oh. realise, she didn't even want him. She wanted the other brother. That she didn't understand that she wanted the other brother until while you were sleeping, James. I fucking concede, mate, while you were sleeping. W, while you were sleeping. While you were sleeping. The underrated oh, no, 1994 Christmas classic. Wishes. She wished that she could speak to him and then he falls on the, on the, Careful what you wish for, though. Yeah, you go. That's, that counts. She wished she, she wished she had a dream man, but she didn't realise it wasn't Peter Gallagher. Exactly. It was Bill Pullman. She just wanted someone to put in a... I always thought this was a bit dickish. She's like, I just want someone who can give me a stamp in my passport. It's like, right, so you just want holiday. Yeah. <laughs> you, the real the real hero in that is Peter Gallagher, for, for you know, because if it wasn't for him bravely going into that coma, they would never have met. <laughs> Or now, just just accepting that he could remember everything, but it was like this amnesia is very specific, isn't it? <laughs> so, so this movie was uh, not set to be at Christmas time, but the producers and the marketers of the movie felt that if it had a Christmas element, um, it would sell better and it would find its audience around Christmas time better. It is defined as a Christmas rom com movie that focuses around Christmas, but it's not about Christmas itself. It's about Julie, uh, Sandra Bullock's character falling in love with Bill Pullman. But actually, she was going after Peter Gallagher, but he fell in a cover. There's a trait. There's a story. You've got to watch it. It's charming. But my fact, Matthew McConaughey was rejected the role because he, was, he had too much of a... Sorry. He had too much of a Texas slur. Jesus Christ. He was and too Russell Crowe wanted the role, but was turned down by the producers. <laughs> I like the fact that he was too sexy. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no one would... No one, no one would ever believe that. <laughs> Bill Pullman. <laughs> well, also, the one thing that we've got to remember about this as well is that... Um, the original script was the other way around, which is a horror movie. Yeah. If it's the other way around, so this is the thing about cinema, isn't it? If it's a woman, particularly in the 90s, you got away with it. If it's a woman who um, lies to a, a family saying that she's the fiance of the person in the coma, but then falls in love with the brother, um, nobody wakes up and she's like, oh yeah, what happened? Is Why are you sleeping, Gad? She fell asleep. But that's all charming and funny because it's Sandra Bullock. If it was the other way around, horror movie. It would be horror. Also, there's so much relying on the person. Like, you've got two actors in front of you. You go, right, one of you going to do the trailer voice. And then you've got the guy who's like, while he was sleeping. And you're like, no, you do it. While he was sleeping. While he like, was sleeping. Wow. <laughs> Different movie. Yeah. When did you, when did you, um, you know, make your way into my family and, you know, become the best friend and then fall in love with my sister? When you were sleeping. Very, very dark. And actually, there is a Netflix movie about that where, a woman wakes up from uh, from a coma, has amnesia, and the person that it takes her home is not actually, in fact, her partner. Jesus Christ. It's a Netflix movie. Uh, I don't think I've watched it. Right, that's dark. Right. Uh, mark the time, because you might not hear this next These bit. last three are going to go. <laughs> you might not hear this at all. X. How about XXXmas? Die Hard, there's a naked lady in it. It's X-rated. But also, at Christmas, a very certain subgenre appears. I'm talking films such as All I Want Is A Gangbang. Barely legal bitch that stole Christmas. Dirty Santa, Frosty the Snow Ho, Ho Ho Ho, Miracle on 69th Street, I quite like this one, Polis Express, or my favourite, Very Very Bad Santa. <laughs> but did you know Santa is the most searched porn at Christmas, which makes sense because when else would you fucking search for him? 
I got for X Games. <laughs> the X rated classics, including. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Mummy eating Santa. Fucking hell. I also had Frosty the Snow Ho. <laughs> Santa's coming all over Fucking town. Hell. I for the record, I took some of them out because I was like, I don't have them. <laughs> and this is this this is the one. It's quite a leap. The tits that save Christmas. Do I have that one? <laughs> with my fact, that movie also stars in the leading uh, one of the sub supporting roles, the ghost of Christmas ass. <laughs> Parodies, eh? I'm, mate, I don't say so. I fucking love you. I mean, I <laughs> thought we were there with Indiana Jones, mate, but I think we're probably there with X-rated classics. Mate, it's, it, oh. my why <laughs> is something exquisite. Mine's terrible. I'll just get over mine fine. Why? For the longest time it was you tied because I only ever hear that in films. I've never heard anyone in real life say it, but I was like, I can't think of a film. So I went Yule Log because Yule Log is a type of food. In the film Elf, Elf lists the you know, the list of food, you know, it's candy, candy cane. It's a food group. Um, so whilst it's not one that's listed, I imagine it might have been some sort of offshoot diet type thing. So <laughs> I've, I've gone with the film Elf <laughs> for, that, for that scene. But did you know the average person consumes 6,000 calories at lunch and has usually started eating from 10 a.m. on Christmas Day? On okay. Christmas Day, obviously. No, not just a Friday. <laughs> My why is your log. The 1966 four-hour... Uh, TV uh, movie, which was four hours of a single shot of a fireplace, 17 seconds on a loop. I, th- I read about it, I thought it was a joke. Which is now synonymous with uh, Netflix around Christmas time, that there are different incarnations. There's the Birch Fire, there's all these other ones. But James, these are, these are mere um, replicas of the 966 classic, which would be on every Christmas Eve and would be four hours long, same 17 seconds on a loop with Christmas music in the background of the time. It was that popular in 2001 because of a petition called yourlog.com. It came back in 2001. Um, it has, a, and here's my fact for it. It has an 8.7 rating on IMDb and it is four hours of the same shot of fire burning. That is a higher score than Final Destination, Casper, Superman 4, the entire Buffy series, The Ring, Ghost Rider, Drop Dead Fred, and Charlie's Angels from 2019. Have you seen that film? No, no one did. No one. <laughs> Who rated that? Like it. <laughs> but your log scores higher than all of them. And it's four hours long and has now inspired a whole culture of um, online fire. So you can warm up your living room, not physically, but I suppose, I don't know, just the image of a fire kind of gives people comfort, the sound of the fire. <sighs> Mate, Zed's a gamble. That's impressive. I've gone Zed. <clears throat> Are you ready for this? Uh-huh. Zed or Zed, 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 Zed. Just the image that we appropriate kids when they're sleeping. <laughs> That's what I've gone with. And then they get woken up by Santa Claus, like in the Christmas Chronicles. <laughs> My fact is, did you know the average kid will wake up at 6.44 on Christmas morning? <laughs> I thought, mate, I had nothing. I had absolutely nothing. So, uh, you know, in Christmas movies, you get woken up. Mm. But I used to buy Santa. Santa Claus is another one. You, you get woken up half hour. I skinned the barrel, mate. There was a hole in the barrel. I was on the floor. This movie, I've I've jotted around on different letters until I found the fact that there's a character beginning with Z in it. And then oh. Zero the dog from the movie Nightmare Before Christmas. Very fitting, with James, because it's almost every week I talk about how Zero is my favourite tritagonist <laughs> in any film. 
That, you, honestly, you have to shut me up some weeks about talking about that that ghost dog. Mate, we edited a lot out mm. of the Lord of the Rings. Episode. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> the tritagonist, you know, in, in the purest form is a dog that doesn't speak and has no no impact on the storyline whatsoever. But Nightmare Before Christmas is a great uh, Christmas movie. Jack Skeleton, stop animation, the mind of Tim Burton. My fact being the one that I bring up every year is that um, Patrick Stewart was completely cut from the movie because he narrated it and then they took the narration out, bless him. Um, that is our A to Z. That's that was a great A to Z. All my list is kind of towards Die Hard. I used my A to Z, mate, and ranked my films. X-rated, there's a picture of a naked lady in it. Relationships, lethal weapons, romance. Die Hard is officially, according to my A to Z, the film. I'm going to let you win then. I'm going to Aww. say you had the better list because it's Die Hard centric. Mate, you, we had great lists. Mate, you always, you, let's be honest. We both went for X because I thought I was getting beeped out of this show. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to let this happen. I'm, I'm so proud of you right now. It's scary. <sighs> well, that was all right. That, I mean, that's the reason why people came to the show, hopefully, to download this our A to Z episode, which we've done a few times. Um, and it were always fun. And no doubt will not be the last because that is the world that never runs dry. That and animation. <laughs> that and animation. Because we can always go back to it if we're struggling. But um, A to Z episodes are normally pretty fun. Now, we are in an hour 20-something, so we're just going to fill out the rest of the show um, with a film that is quite fitting for the end of the episode because if you haven't seen it, you might want to turn off now in case we do spoil anything. It is a film that's been out for a few weeks, and that's Ghostbusters Afterlife that James went to cinema to watch, and then I followed a few days later to go see, and we haven't had a chance to talk about it, and we didn't want to do it. We'd done a Ghostbusters episode, so we didn't want to make it the main central point of the episode. So if you haven't seen Ghostbusters Afterlife, thank you for downloading. It's probably the best time to end the show. We'll see you next week. We'll follow up with some more December Christmassy. And then, of course, we've got the best of episode to end the year. So that'll be a rundown of the, big, the biggest movies that have come out this year, crowning our favourite film from 2021. So that's what's coming up next few episodes. If you're sticking around, let's talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is a huge movie, a lot riding on its shoulders. A beloved franchise originating in the, um, the early uh, 80s, Bill Murray classic, Dan Aykroyd classic, that has a sequel that some people love, some people love, some people it's say- the same film. Yeah. I'm fine with it though. It has a 2016 um, remake, reboot, all-female cast that, you know, was- um, Shit. Yeah, I mean, but the problem is at the time you couldn't say it was shit because it had this big hype around it that it was just a load of men oh. saying it was shit because it couldn't handle strong women. And it wasn't, it was that the film was bad. Is the film was bad. That's, that's why I was different. I was like, it had nothing to do with the cast. You could have placed it with men and it, it just wasn't funny. No. It just wasn't good. No, it, and, it, and it, it unfortunately falls in, for me, it fell into a um, run of movies from that time, which were um, just formulaic and nonsense and didn't really ask any questions or give you any reward as a viewer. It was spectacle. It was... And it was a, a huge hot at the time kind of lineup, which to me just didn't really translate that well into a movie. Got nothing wrong with, um, you know, it sounds like defensive, but nothing wrong with female cast, but write original stories for female cast. It's, you don't have to reboot things and, you know, tarnish it with different castings. But now, so now we go into Ghostbusters Afterlife. So it's kind of got this, it wants to be the sequel or the follow-up to the 80s movies. Yeah. Um, more so than the 2016, because it is another reboot, it is another reimagination, but it is also linked to the 1984 movie. So what did you think? I thought <clears throat> that it was... So if I had gone and I didn't love the original, I would have thought it's kind of fan fiction -y. And that's something we'll talk about in a sec. I, I thought the director, right, they've written a film now to try and please fans of the original. But do you know what? It worked. 
I loved it, but I don't just love the bits that are kind of what you call fan fiction. I love the, the bits that are unique and original and new. Um, I think we both agree that McKenna Grace, who plays the granddaughter of uh, one of the, uh, it's Egon, isn't it? Egon's, Egon's granddaughter is quite possibly the greatest performance I've ever seen. Mm. She's a young actress as well. I think she's what, in the teens? She's phenomenal. She's so good. Mm. And I believe her character. You want to do a strong female character, that's how you do it. I thought it was brilliant. I even like Carrie Coon as the mother because it's her, she's basically a plot device. It's like, she's the reason why they haven't seen their grandfather. It opens spectacularly. I loved this film mate, from beginning to end. There was no slow moments for me. I thoroughly enjoyed this film. I loved every aspect of it. I was on the edge of my seat. I can count the amount of times. I can't count the amount of times, sorry, that I actually went, I kind of jumped for joy. I went to go see Esther and I squeezed her hand constantly. Every time, you know, spoilers, it's not a spoiler. We are in spoiler territory, but I don't want to spoil for the sake of spoiling when you hear Ecto One Siren go off, I it was like just on the cusp of the final act, and I fucking I was cold, mate. Goosebumps. I sat in that cinema loving it. There's stuff wrong with it, but it was so well made with a lot of love that I actually forgave it immediately. I came out of there and was just like, I loved that film. It was brilliant. It was mm. a film made for me. So the storyline isn't anything you know that's breaking you know boundaries. It's a single mom and two kids go to a small town where they've inherited um, the 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 house, the home, and the land of one of the infamous original Ghostbusters, um, Egon. Egon. Uh, Egan Spengler, who they just refer to as the mud the mud farmer. Yeah. And in this one, um, it's directed by Jason Reitman, who is the son of- The original uh, director. Yeah. And Aaron Reitman. And so it's kind of got a lot of love in it. Um, it's, for, for me, I, you know, like you said, that, that storyline, we talked about this off air, but- you know, it, it's it's kind of playing into that hand of an 80s movie. It's, you know, the storyline is very much Lost Boys, uh, you know, in, in terms of the single mom and the two kids going to the town, the small town, the small town where nothing happens. Yeah. You know, it does play in the vein of, um, you know, other kind of huge movies of that time, the kind of, you know, the Back to the Futures. And Finn Wolfhard as well, who's in the movie, uh, is yeah. synonymous as well with um, Stranger he- Things. So it's kind of got that modern film that's trying to play on the heartstrings of the 80s. But what it does really well, what I find for this movie, is it it slowly becomes the 84 original without mm. you realising it. Halfway through the movie, I was like, shit, like, Paul Rudd is Rick Morianis from the original. Yeah. That is his role, is to play Rick Morianis. And what a great casting that is. As you say, Carrie Coon is in there to play, eventually she's to become the Sigourney Weaver type character within the film. Um, you know, the ensemble, I didn't even see the four cast coming together as the new Ghostbusters, the younger version of the Ghostbusters until they put the outfit on. I was like, shit, they've all naturally gravitated to a reason that they would put on them suits. You know, there are some questionable bits. There's a character in it called Podcast. You know, that- Oh, did you want, you might have feedback. I quite like Podcast. Logan Kim, I liked him, but it was a bit, you know, he's nice to a podcast. You know, again, it's very, kind of, you know, 2021, isn't it? Um, McKenna Grace, the film does rest on McKenna Grace's character and I 100% um, agree that I think that is single-handedly one of the best and most believable performances I've seen where you have to carry the mantle of an original, much beloved um, movie from the 80s and make it your own, but also make it interesting. And watching her on screen, I was like, I 100% believe that person is walking around in real life is a real person. I think she's such a great actress and you think of the things that she's been in, she's been in Handsmaid Tale, she's, She's the younger person that a lot of that Hollywood go to. Yeah, so if you need a younger Sabrina the Teenage Witch, you got her. If you wanted a younger Captain Marvel, you got her. 
Um, but she's also in other movies. Wonder, uh, no, it wasn't Wonder. It was the Chris Evans one as well, which was gifted. I was okay. about to say she's incredibly gifted in it. The movie was called Gifted. <laughs> um, you know, so she is awesome, and um, you know, really, really carries it. I found the more that she was on screen, the more um, interesting the movie became. Whether or not it was a Ghostbusters movie or not, you know, it could have been a movie where you didn't see any ghosts and you didn't, you know, and, and it, she was the granddaughter of a legend and she, you know, and she goes to clean out the house and gets intertwined into another story. Like that to me would have still been enough. Yeah. The fact that there is the ghost and there is the Ecto one and there is the, the, you know, the devices, you know, that, that are there. I also love that they address that the 84 Ghostbusters, you know, were alive. They go on YouTube and watch clips of it. And they're yeah. like, they were legends. They cleared New York of ghosts. You know, they were actually too good. You know, ghosts disappeared. And then there's the talk that, <clears throat> that they were maybe fake and that's why they're not round anymore. That type of thing. Like Paul Rudd as well is like a fanboy. He's, he's like, his role is the audience. So when he finds out who they were, he's like, he's like, Oh my God, can I play with this? So he's the, we, we kind of, we're him because we've seen the films. He represents the audience. Like he's like, Oh my God, can I play with this? That sort of thing. And I really liked that. And I think that's part of, we talked about Paul Rudd a few weeks ago. I think that's his effortless quality that he can slip into these roles and do quite a job. But basically uh, I would watch a film with McKenna Grace on her own. Mm. I don't know how you feel about, well, I think they're just more than cameos, but I liked them. I thought they were very good. I think they border on possibly outstanding their welcome. However, no, at the time when I was in that cinema for that, for what an hour and 45 minutes, I was, I was loving myself. They re kind of like redo the first film in an effortless way. I genuinely, it was like, Oh my God, this looks like near perfect mm. callbacks. You, everything was perfect. I really liked it, but I also like the scenes where they're, where they're not doing that much. Like when they're kind of pissing about at home or when the character uh, McKenna Grace is like in like the workshop and then, then later when the mum comes, she's like, tries to tell us like, yeah, we know you're about 30 minutes behind. I just mm. really, I thought the writing was crisp and it was that kind of family friendly, but also at the same time, what is humor. The, it's the Goonies prototype, isn't it? In the archetype oh, of movies in that, you know, it's, it's adults couldn't possibly save the day. It has to be kids. And, and that, that storyline has been done over and over. And it's a storyline that weirdly enough, it's a storyline that when it happens now in movies, I get a bit annoyed at, but in the eighties, it was the bread and butter of those movies. Yeah. The kids would come together a band together because the parents were too busy, you know, single parents going out on dates for the first time. This plays into all of them types of films. And there's something about when it happens in an eighties movie, it's fine. It's fine in Lost Boys. It's fine in Goonies. It's fine in Back to the Future. But then in the nineties and two thousands, all of a sudden it's like, oh, fuck off. Why is it always the kids, you know, that are coming together and banding together? Stranger Things, it works. It's fine. It's fine. Go back to the 80s, it works fine. <laughs> and this does it because it is a love letter to the 80s in in so many ways. Also, because it removes itself from modern society, like the majority of the film takes place in a kind of like dusty town where nothing much is happening. It, it kind of like, it's kind of ageless. It's kind of like you could imply that modern technology doesn't come into it. Does that make sense? It's like, at no point are they like all ringing on the, the cell phones, doesn't like play a big judge. And I like that. I yeah. really liked that. That it was kind of, kind of ageless. But there's one bad part, and it's a crime. Don't you dare advertise J.K. Simmons in this film. I know that was weird. <laughs> Don't you fucking dare. I'm weird because the first he's only he's in two scenes, and I and you have to you blink and you miss. Yeah. The first time I was like, is that J.K. Simmons? Second time I went, it is J.K. See it. <laughs> but I said, but then I guess that was kind of like part of the joke is that they do that, and there's another actress in it playing another character that goes uncredited, and I guess that's the surprise. You're supposed to think, oh, J.K. Simmons is going to be more mm. involved. The joke is he's he's not, but 
And it does wrong and right, because I love the original Ghostbusters, but they do not treat the character of Winston, who's the working man, like he's not, he's there for a job, steady paycheck. They don't treat him, he's barely in that film. And I like that Ernie Hudson gets his own little special after credit in this one. It was, it was kind of like a, an undoing of something that probably mm. was wrong in the 80s, but you know, famously removed from the original poster, that type of thing. I loved it. Now, I guess the biggest point is where do you stand on the CGI? So the CGI is, there's three Ghostbusters. Uh, the, the original actor who played Egon has, has passed. So they use CGI to bring him back. And I got told about this about two hours before I went into the cinema. I was really worried. Mm. I was really worried that this wasn't going to work. However, I think it's acceptable. Why do you think it's acceptable? Because he doesn't speak. I know it sounds really weird. They use footage and... I think it works. But then again, I'm going to tell you now, I love this film, so I think I might be giving it a pass mm. on certain things. I didn't mind it in Rogue One. I don't mind it usually. However, I thought the role was, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I was fine with it, but at the same time, I don't feel it's, like I should be fine with it. Does that make sense? We talked about this previously because when they announced that they had the technology and that uh, deceased actors all of a sudden became properties or estates That's or why film I don't companies. Like, yeah. So we could see a movie in the, in the, in the next couple of years where... Marilyn Monroe, you know, image yeah. um, is in a movie because technology is that good now with deep fakes that you can put a Marilyn Monroe type in a movie. And the problem is, well, what happens if you cast, um, you know, Marilyn Monroe as, you, you know, a, a racist or something like that and it could yeah. tarnish her career and she's no longer here and it's the estate. And so, but I mean, I think, I imagine, you know, cinema and, and producers and, and stuff are smart enough not, you know, I think you're right, the, the idea of, using uh, Peter Cushing's character in Rogue One. Well, it's a couple of scenes and he's very much on type of the, yeah. you know, uh, Moff Tarkin that he played in the original movies. In this one, you're right. I think Hal Ramos is no longer with us and they, they do a pretty good job of animating what he would look like. Oh, they do a phenomenal you know, job uh, of what, yeah. Very much as Egon Spengler, a bit more uh, aged and elderly. It's very good at the beginning of the movie when you don't actually see him. That's he's covered in yeah. shadow, and so you know who it is, but you don't see him at any point. And that I thought worked pretty well. And I thought that's what it was going to be because it gives you enough to know that, that you know that that's Egon, but you never see his face. I thought, oh, that must be what they mean. I was like, I'm fine with this. This is this is fantastic. But I do. I I, do, I think when it happened, I I didn't mind. It. Again, I could have done with, you know, scenes where you know, for example. You know, the, a fourth ghost occurs, or you don't see. It's always from behind and stuff like mm. that. I think it still would have been fine. It was brave showing, you know, a full CG Harold Ramis um, towards the end of the movie. Yeah, I, I think it's a lovely. It's a love letter to the. The thing is, I don't know. Do they think that Ivan Reitman knew that this was more on the the tone of the original, and therefore it somewhat makes it acceptable? Because you could question, well. Why was it they did that in the in the 2016 version? That's true. Yeah. You know, so would that would that or would that have been would that have been not allowed? Yeah. yeah exactly. mind, let's remember, Bill Murray was in that movie. Yeah. So it's done. So yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. And you know what? I thought it was a stellar. I think when we're going to be talking about our best, it's, it's on the shortlist, mate. I had so much fun. I can't remember the last time I was that nervous going into a cinema mm. because I was really worried. I was like, please be good. If this film was bad, I was going to be. Heartbroken, yeah, and it's not—it's not perfect. I mean, I said this to you afterwards. There, there are some and massive I loopholes. To to <laughs> there are some gaping wounds in this movie, James. Where I was like, "Well, how did that happen then?" And and if you're going to abide by that logic, well, that should have happened. But you can't take away from the fact that it's entertaining. And and I think for me, you know, if 
if what people take away from this is they get to relive some of that 84 magic of the original lineup, that's great. But for the, for me, the takeover was Michaela Grace is, was fucking brilliant in this film. Birth of a star. I know she'd been in other things, but she, let's be honest, she is the, the heart of this movie. And I, I think mm. Finn's very good, but his is the secondary story. See, Finn Wolfhard, I thought, is, is, the, is the odd casting because he has that Stranger Things quality to him. And he's, you know, and I've listened to a lot of podcasts with him on it. He sounds like a great guy, young guy, and, and got his head screwed on. Um, destined to go on to great films and, and stuff. But, you know, straight away, everyone's like, Stranger Things guy. You know, yeah. like that, that is what he's become. And here he is in a film that's, you know, picking up the mantle from an 80s movie. It's a bit... And he, and his role is very, very secondary. He mm. is the older brother that you're not supposed to follow. Um, you know, and he has a bit of a storyline and, and what have you. But that actually almost took me out of the movie. I, I probably, playing fantasy casting, wouldn't have had him in it uh, to take me out of the movie the way he did. Um, but yeah, I, I, think, I think the movie was great. I, I enjoyed it. I I'd laughed, I smiled. I, 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 for me, it did capture some of that original magic as well. The whole like roller diner, you know, so it's modern day. Yeah. But there are elements, you know, Paul Rudd is reading a comic book, which I pretty sure was an Avengers comic book as well. Oh, right. Um, I was going to say the roller, I was going to say it's, it's set now, but yeah. at the same time they go to a burger joint with this full rollerblades. So I was like, yeah. they haven't existed since. <laughs> and, and the, you know, the, Paul Rudd makes his class watch videos, you know, and he makes the joke is that I can't believe a school still has VHS. <laughs> so it has all those bits in it that is very on the nose of being an 80s movie. I will watch it again when it comes out. I think I'll really enjoy it. I, I think if you watch the original, go watch it. I think you you should like it. I, I like what they did with the Marshmallow Men as well. I liked that, but I liked all that did with the villains. Like the idea that it's not one giant massive monster, it's thousands of little ones. And Olivia Wilde, Mike. Yeah. That that casting was spot on. I couldn't tell the difference. Mm. I was phenomenal. What a great film. I loved it. It's got problems, but at the same time, I'm a fan. I'm a mark. I loved it. I will watch it again. I loved it. The most fun I've had in the cinema for a while. High praise. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, okay, that's our show for this week. Coming in at an hour 40, so good. That's, that's what, an hour less than last week? Then last week, yeah, <laughs> believe it or not. If you do like the show, don't forget to like, subscribe. We get a new episode each and every week. And if you did like it, if you leave us a review, that's great. Every time you do, another kid gets a gift this Christmas. Aww. Not from us. I mean, no, just, just, you know, goodwill and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Bells and wings and whatnot. Yeah, so leave us that review. It really does help. It helps us climb the charts, but it also puts us on the radar of more potential listeners and victims. <laughs> If I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye.